Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Wrestling Geeks Alliance. We're here for your entertainment purposes and to give you great reviews, news, and previews for professional wrestling. We do the show. If you're a new listener, well, we at least record it every Saturday and we'll have it out by Sundays or Mondays. So, you know, if you like what you hear, or regardless, just give us a five star rating. You can find us on any downloadable platform Spotify, YouTube Music, iTunes, of course, Stitcher you know, SoundCloud, all that jazz, or just Google and you'll find all the platforms, Wrestling Geeks Alliance, and listen to us and all of our past listeners. Thank you guys so much. We got a lot of shit to cover. We got SummerSlam. We got Ric Flair's last match. And we have some um, good WWE shows from last week, as well as, of course, AEW. But I could not do this show with, without my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How you doing, sir? Doing pretty good, man. Uh, drinking this here energy drink, trying to get hyped up for the show. I, I stayed up too late catching up on Rampage and SmackDown after being kind of delayed last night. So, uh, and also New Japan. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, hopefully I'm not too sleepy throughout the show. Had a good week last week. How was your week, buddy? Dude, I finally did it. I finally watched a horror movie that gave me a nightmare. So, yeah, I can't believe this is an accomplishment of me, but I thought I was broken, honestly, beforehand, Chris. <laughs> well, what film was that? As I open up my Sam Adams Oktoberfest, because it's definitely October, but who gives a shit? You know, if public's going to put them out. I'm going to drink them. They're good. Anyways, uh, yeah. God damn it. It is a mockumentary called The Poughkeepsie Tapes. Have you ever heard of this? Yes, I have. This is, uh, well, I think I have, if it's what I'm thinking of. It's the one that's based on basically a mental as asylum or basically one of those asylums where you sent people of mentally ill or people in bad health in New Jersey, right? No, but I want to watch that movie. Uh, okay. there, There's a, another tale that maybe this spun off of. Um. Maybe, I may be tying two things together, but there is a uh, a boogeyman tell about this particular asylum. Maybe those that's why it's coming to mind. But I've also seen the Poughkeepsie tapes as well. But jog my memory because I'm pretty sure I watched these two back to back. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's uh, with it. Basically, they're, they're kind of paralleling several serial killers in one character, but mostly the Golden State Killer because he kind of changed his direction and uh it's essentially uh cops they, they they got which is really cool they got real cops real uh journalists to do those parts of the documentary and essentially like cops are trying to find the serial killer and he's doing random stuff uh they can't they didn't really until later attach everything he did because he changed up his patterns 
to throw off his scent. And it's a mockumentary. At one part, uh, even a professor of law is trying to use this as an example of, like, you know, the tapes they find, at least. As if you, this is going to basically be if you guys want to be a part of, you know, the FBI in this field or not, because this type of stuff that you're going to have to dedicate yourself to. And uh, basically, the killer kind of sets them up to find the tapes of a lot of his victims and stuff, and they're on the hunt for him. But the way they do it, it's well done. It's incredibly disturbing. They don't show a lot of graphic stuff per se, but they make the torture scenes and stuff like that just look so damn realistic. It's it's pretty fucked up. But I will say, I found out that um, a lot of girls, uh, lady um, analysts, when it comes to this movie, they're so into true crime, at least more so than me. They kind of didn't didn't um, didn't like it as much just because they kind of picked apart a lot of stuff. So kudos to women who uh, like true crime enough to be able to pick apart this movie because it disturbed the shit out of me and gave me a uh, terrible nightmare that night. Okay. Uh, yes, I have seen that movie and uh, it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I don't think it gave me nightmares, but it was a really fun watch. <laughs> I mean, as much as a horror film can be a fun watch, the movie I was thinking of was Cropsey which it's not in New Jersey. It's actually Long Island, but it's a, it's kind of a, I wouldn't say a mockumentary, but it is a, they're basically investigating an urban legend and like the chill. It's basically their version of boogeyman um, based around this insane asylum or, Oh, it's got a 91, even though that shouldn't really matter that much, but I'm going to have to watch this, Chris. Yeah, it's on Pluto. So anyone can watch it for free, which is always a plus. Um, but yeah, that was a good film. And I think I watched those two back to back. And for whatever reason, that slant rhymes in my mind. And that's probably <laughs> why I was thinking of it. But yeah, I've seen both of those. Uh, as far as horror goes, the only thing I've watched recently, I've been watching uh, the new Pretty Little Liars on HBO with the wife. And uh, way better than the original show. It was on like True TV or one of one of those networks. Well, hell yeah. I've been, you know, I don't know what the hell's wrong with me, uh, but now I've gotten into Japanese uh, horror. Um, I watched The Grudge, or the original uh, Grudge, Yuan. Um, I watched Ringu, which I've obviously seen the American remakes for both of those, but never actually watched the Japanese ones, which are very, very good. And then I watched a really fucked up Origins uh, Grudge uh, thing they did, put out a couple of years ago on Netflix. That was also extremely. I don't know what's. I don't. I don't know what's wrong with me. Maybe I'll, I'll get out of this phase. But I just love um, trying to mess with my head. I guess people are gonna. New <laughs> listeners are gonna think that I'm disturbed or something. I don't know. The fuck am I, I mean, watching? Serial killers and Japanese ghost horror movies. It, it's all the comics and wrestling that we've put in our bodies. You, we need the horror to like even it out. <laughs> I think that's exactly. the think that's the realism um yeah have you have <laughs> traveled down the path of the audition yet because that would be god i know it's like now you just put another one in my head but it's like if you thought poughkeepsie tapes were fucked up why don't you watch audition martyrs or what's the other one uh the serbian film and i'm like I don't know if I want to watch any of those films, man. I think that gets to a point where it's like I no coming no coming back. 
So there, those three are supposed to be the most fucked up horror movies made. So, oh, and uh, Spit on Your Grave, which I've never wanted to watch that, or even Last House on the Left. Like that type of stuff is really hard for me to watch, and that's why this was disturbing for me with the Poughkeepsie tapes. Right. Um. So when you, when you talk about I Spit on Your Grave, you're talking about the original. Yeah, not the uh, the remote game. Yeah, that that is a hard watch in general. It's kind of one I suffered through. Um, either I was doing a podcast or it was a, like a film class or something, but I suffered through that one. And uh, after watching it, I was kind of like, it just felt like I needed a shower more than scared, which Ugh. is never a good way to walk away from a film. And then they remade it, and I was like, y'all are remaking that movie, but the remake was. Uh, not as offensive, I guess. Yeah, man, I'll stick to Satan more so than serial killers and stuff w- involving rape and stuff like that. That stuff is really fucking disturbing. But um, that's why I will say, just just to warn people, Poughkeepsie Tapes doesn't really, they don't show any of that type of stuff. Um, but if you've watched Last House on the Left or any of those films, uh, that's primary part of that whole entire storytelling, I will say. And I, audition's different, but it still seems horribly disturbing as well. Yeah, right. And, and I mean, like, I spit on your grave is probably the classic tell because the incredible, or not incredible, but the terrible rape scene sets up her as a protagonist through the rest of the film, which yep. is kind of why it's it. You know, whatever. That that sounds like a uh, let's do this in October. <laughs> Which yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the same premise of Last House on the Left, and that's the same premise for Martyrs. But yeah, it's just, uh, that's, yeah, damn it, man. And I'm not going to even go into Serbian film. Like Chris said, maybe we'll uh, talk more in October. But, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll stick to elevated horror. I just decided to branch out and try some stuff and uh, unfortunately got what I was uh, looking for. So, but yeah, wrestling. Wrestling. Every time you say Serbian film, I just hear Killstein kill in my head because it has a line in that song. It's like, I'll turn this fucking place into Serbian film. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's even uh, more fucked up now that I know about that movie. Um, <laughs> oh, good old Terrifies kid. another one. That's another fucking movie. I couldn't even watch that. Ugh. They had that on Netflix. I'm like, I hope kids aren't fucking watching Terrifier. Because they will. It's not like when we were like we caught like a little bit of child's play too or some shit. Like this is getting pretty fucked up and accessible. But I still love horror movies. Yeah, I agree. I mean, our well, at least for me, it was going to Blockbuster and convincing mom to let me rent a horror movie. But that was mostly just based off whatever the cover was, more so than being able to see a you know thirty second this is happening in the movie <laughs> autoplay on Netflix. Like now, if you don't child lock your stuff, uh, I probably would have seen so many more fucked up things um, back then than I actually did. And I, and I, I think I had pretty lenient uh, family and parents when it comes to what I was allowed to watch, but yeah, like free reigns on Netflix and HBO max and stuff now with the horror selection that's out there. Whew, I can't even imagine what I would have been watching. And true crime doesn't help either. Because you'd be like, no, mom, I'm just watching a documentary. <laughs> about about Richard Ramirez. Or the Atlanta child murders. Like, Jesus. Uh, not necessarily. Yep. Uh, but but you know what? It's uh, it's the world we live in. I think it's good that true crime's out there. And, and uh, 
at least you're getting like it seems like a lot of that stuff wasn't talked about as much like there's definitely there was definitely docu- documentaries and stuff when we were younger but now that stuff is just so up so out in the open and everyone kind of talks about it freely maybe that's a good thing i don't know i guess we'll see in in the next 15 20 years how how the new generation turns out we'll either be sanitized or psychopaths anyways we're going to change this show's name to blood and guts since we always start off talking about horror because uh i'm i don't know a masochist a mental masochist um but anyways yeah dude uh wrestling uh SummerSlam. you know going into this i had my doubts of if I would enjoy it to the level that I ended up enjoying it. There's stuff that uh, I wasn't that big of a fan of Chris, but overall I really enjoyed SummerSlam and kind of finding out, uh, which made a lot of sense that apparently raw was the last kind of involvement with Vince. At least he pre-wrote it apparently is what I heard from outlets. Uh, the week, you know, the go home show, but triple H started with SmackDown that I thought was good. And we talked about it. Uh, I thought SummerSlam was good, and we're about to talk about it. And, you know, later on we'll talk about what two shows, Raw and SmackDown, I think. I know we need to tempt our expectations. But, you know, like Brian Alvarez was ranting about on the Wrestling Observer, I'm happy that – and I heard NXT was good. I Like I said, they're going to have to get me back into that. But – I want to be optimistic about wrestling. I don't want AEW to be the only thing. Like, AEW's great. Everyone's interacting with each other. A lot of the other smaller organizations, we're talking probably Impact, which is the largest out of them, all the way from NWA, MLW, and then the foreign markets with New Japan doing all their great stuff like they have been, all the other Japanese promotions and AAA and CMLL and everything else in Mexico. You know, it's a great time. So, yeah, if the biggest company could put out some good stuff i'm not going to complain about it so there is that level of like you know i don't know pessimism and i understand it it's we've been we've been really plagued i would say since uh i don't know 2018 with just and before that it was still pretty mediocre but really just getting to a point where it was unbearable and you know what if i if i can enjoy wwe and i'm i'm i'm, I'm happy about it you know, is that weird? Is it weird to feel happy about WWE, Chris? I don't think so at all. I would even say in the past six months, the shows have been better than they were going back to 2018. But uh, with the new changes they've implemented and put forth with, like you said, the uh, not last night SmackDown, but the week before and this Monday Night Raw and SmackDown, it seems like the show's taking a step in the right direction. And uh, I guess it's easy to be negative on if you have watched all of this for a long period of time, like you and I have, but also you have to give the show the ability to change. And um, the small changes they've made so far have been great. Right. So let's see, let's see what happens. Everyone wanted Triple H to have the reins. He's got them now. So tune in, at least give it a chance. Um, And, and like you were alluding to with Brian, Brian Alvarez, he's like, if the show's 15% better, (laughs) it's still 15% better than it was the previous weeks. Um, so yeah, man, I'm, I, I'm excited for it. It seems like, you know, it, I, this is probably going to go into one of our news topics, but uh, they're trying to bring back in talent that was released. And 
and make some changes to some existing characters that were probably buried and shouldn't have been. So it's going to be exciting to see what happens. Yeah, let's let, let's talk about that one first. We've got three news items before we go into uh, SummerSlam. But, I mean, let, this is a big deal. It happened this week. Uh, you know, we had – and all of these people, it's not like they, they were elevated uh, from where they were, which Triple H is also doing that, it seems, you know, with Ciampa trying to get Ali out there, Ricochet – and uh, show them off more. Uh, he also has gotten people that were no longer with the company. EO left. EO Shirai now, you know, because WWE has to try to copyright everything and shit like that. She's now EO Sky. I can get over that. But EO, Dakota Kai coming out with Bailey. And if you watch SmackDown, we also had at the end of it, Drew McIntyre getting attacked by. Carrying Cross, Killer Cross with Scarlett Bardot taking the hourglass to the ring and basically telling Roman, your time is up, tick tock. So awesome stuff with people that weren't a part of the organization not too long ago. They're going to, I believe, from what I heard, and who knows, you know, there's been talks that Johnny has been talking with AEW, but they're going to Johnny Gargano's neck of the woods next week. Him and Candice are another possibility, obviously. There's been rumors floating around that they're mending, uh, you know, everything that happened with Sasha and Naomi, and they want to get them back. We know that they're now finally doing a women's tag title tournament. I don't know if that's going to be a part of the whole entire thing. We'll have to wait and see. And then there's, you know, a couple other people floating. One of them, I think, that has been sitting around doing some horror movies, but kind of waiting for something to happen with Bray Wyatt that potentially we'll see if, if there is additions. I think that people wrestlers, I should say are optimistic. And even Tony was putting it over Tony Khan about, you know, that if everything's going good, yeah, that, that, that helps out the business. Like he doesn't want to lose talent. He was basically alluding to, but if, you know, if they do want to travel, then there's a chance for people to go to AEW and people switching up. And I think that actually is a good way of looking at it. Um, we had the Flair show, which not only had, you know, Jeff Jarrett uh, from WWE, one of the execs uh, involved in it, but also had shout outs from Shawn Michaels, Dolph Ziggler. Uh, you, you saw Mick Foley, Undertaker, who is employed with WWE, technically in the crowd, along with an array of different talents from MLW, AEW, obviously, and all the other companies. So all working together under the Jim Crockett uh, banner. And Triple H is apparently backstage. So was Charlotte. Someone from um, Wrestling Inc. Uh, said that it was the forbidden door backstage, basically, for that event in Tennessee. Because everyone from all organizations was there, which is awesome. So I'm happy about all this is what I'm trying to say. Uh, and kind of, what do you think, Chris? We got people that weren't signed anymore. Dakota Kai was let go. Karen Cross, let go. Scarlett, let go. Uh, Io Shirai was leaving after a contract. They're all back. And the potential's there for some other people to come back to WWE to make it that much grander. And I think that's awesome. It's kind of crazy to say, but Killer Cross is also coming in at such a good time to come in because... Robins ran through everyone and uh, 
bringing back Scarlett as his manager and going back to his original gimmick in NXT, that just works. I think that's awesome. Um, re-signing EO, I, I think, was a must. It, she should have been moved to the main roster a long time ago. So it's good to see her there. Dakota Kai, I think that's a, another great si- signing, solidifying what was a great women's roster, um, trying to rebuild that. And obviously, Sasha and Naomi, if they can get that deal done, uh, that's going to be great. I mean, Bailey was going to come back regardless. She was still under contract. Uh, I maybe would have saved that for something a little more special, but that's more. We'll have to see how that storyline plays out, right? But um, yeah, as far as the stuff they've done so far and the people they're trying to bring back, and uh, if if they are able to get Johnny Gargano and, and Candice LeRae back, uh, those would be another two big signings. The only thing with Johnny is he might have already signed a contract. So we will see. I wonder how much Triple H has been in contact with Bray and Johnny kind of behind the scenes. Because it seems like a lot of this stuff, even before the Wall Street Journal articles came out, was kind of already known in the boardroom. So it makes April. (laughs) They knew on WrestleMania that Vince was about to get hit by this from the Wall Street Journal in the summertime. People need to realize that. So, yeah, I mean... Literally, Triple H could be like, all right, just lay low, do your thing, trust me, and uh, maybe that worked out. Yeah, I mean, if he was like, if you don't like the way you're being booked, you don't have to re-sign a contract now, but like in six months, I might be running the show, right? And and here we are. So if they were, if they did hold out until then, let's say Bray and Johnny Gargano, um, or Karrion Cross or Killer Cross, it this probably paid off for them. I'm sure he rewarded them and. Um, they're all great and people he pushed at NXT. So interesting stuff. I think Tony Khan being acceptable, uh, like accepting of it and kind of excited about it um, makes a lot of sense too, because as we know, if, if there's more of a wrestling war and more excitement around wrestling, any surprise he would bring in or WWE would bring in, uh, it's going to seem like a much bigger deal where it was kind of like a, a one way street, <laughs> With Tony bringing in surprises, um, where yep. maybe now, maybe you know, they bring in like a Joey Janela or something in WWE, even if well, it's what not a level star, it, it gives you that. We didn't, we don't maybe. know if uh, you know, we, we've been talking about MJF as a work, but one of the things that we said, can MJF really do WWE if Vince is behind it? There's people trying to write his promos and it's PG. Well, guess what? All that shit's done. So, uh, <laughs> I, it's crazy, man. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I mean, that's a, those are good. That's a good point. He's PG-13. Vince is gone. Triple H is on the books. Everyone loves MJF. I think even before Vince left was really high on MJF. The only problem is he's still under contract. So, if, if Tony Khan wants to be a dick, he really could. And that would probably be the guy to not let go to the other company, honestly. One thing before we leave this subject and move on to our next news topic, I got to put over the fact that besides wrestlers that are on the back burner or not doing anything right now that might have gotten released beforehand, uh, that Triple H is trying to get either involved in or already has, some of the minor stuff that he did as far as elevating Tommaso Ciampa, like I said, um, elevating Ricochet, trying to get 
Ali, trying to get talents out there to try to make some new stars, people that he saw a lot of potential in. But not just that. Switching directions. Becky, even though it sucks, she'll probably be out for about four months because of separated shoulder, if not longer. Um, switching her back baby face. That's a good idea. Getting Ronda Rousey pissed off because she got fucked over and switching her heel. And keeping her off TV so we can, like, you know, get her back in a different direction. The stuff he did with the U.S. title, putting out a package and building up the lineage, going all the way back to the NWA, saying this has been held by people like Harley Race and and Steve Austin and Diamond Dallas Page, this array of different talent. Uh, It's just, it's good. (laughs) I don't know how to, like, explain it better than that. It's it's refreshing. So, but we'll get I mean, into it outside, when we get into uh, all this uh, WWE stuff. But yeah, what'd you think, Chris? I was going to say, outside of maybe the Rousey thing, I've enjoyed everything that's happened with the booking so far. Um, it's a lot of what me and you've been saying for years. <laughs> Some of it is just very simple, but it's good to see it executed on TV and, uh, I'm excited, man. I This is the first time I've been excited about WWE outside of just some key matches or feuds in, in quite a while. Absolutely. But um, WWE for news is not the only ones uh, that we need to bring attention to. Uh, AEW's got some pretty big stuff in the works, I would say. First of all, apparently, Tony is shopping around and... It's, he's making it sound like he wants us to be on television, but, you know, we'll find out. Uh, for an all-women's uh, television show, he brought in Madison Rain. I'm assuming to help out Kenny Omega uh, to be kind of, you know, working with the women's division, which is what her and Gail Kim were doing for Impact uh, before she came over to AEW. So we have a legend back there trying to help out with the women's division, and they might be getting their own show. Uh, It looks like they're going to get their own show. It just depends on where they're going to put that. We'll talk about the video game, too, uh, which is the other big uh, subject, uh, because now it's on pre-order, and they showed a trailer for it. But I I would say that's pretty big news, Chris, uh, when it comes to an all-women's wrestling program. And I'm definitely going to check it out, especially since – I mean, let's, let's be honest. There's usually a women's match on Dynamite and Rampage. The, the one on Dynamite is almost always around 9.30. Um, we need probably some more de- you know, development, and we can't rely off the YouTube product. So I am thinking this is a good thing. I, I think that Kenny probably, you know, whatever involvement he's had, um, could use a little bit of help, especially from a past women's wrestler um, with Madison Rain. So I, I think that's a good idea. And helping out with Tony and developing stuff. I don't think any of this is a bad idea at all. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to hope that it does well. I just hope that if it plummets, it doesn't cause a, a bad, toxic wrestling-styled feud between the fans that will yell at the other fans that they're not watching because they're sexist, and the other fans bitching about the fact that we have a wrestling show that's all women, because I know ignorant fucks on both sides of the spectrum are out there. So that's the only fear I have is stupid shit happening on social media. Uh, but I, I'm, uh, 
I'm optimistic about this concept. I think it might be a good idea. And if they can get it on like a Tuesday night on something, you know, I don't think that that's bad. If it's got to go to YouTube, it's not going to be watched just like Dark and Elevation art is watched, but it could have potential. What do you think about all this, Chris? I mean, I think it's an awesome idea to have an all women's wrestling show. So I'm going to start out by saying that the problem is they already have two shows that are shoveled on to YouTube. Like you were alluding to, they have a ring of honor show that they have to put somewhere at some point. And uh, maybe Tony Khan is taking on a little bit too much, especially if he's going to be trying to book all of this um, and get syndication for all of these various shows. Uh, even if he gets this on TV and we say it's one hour, like rampage, that's four hours of TV a week. Um, yeah, four hours of TV a week, plus whatever pay-per-views you have going. And like and like you were saying, like where do you land that show as far as TNT and TBS goes? And, and hopefully it wouldn't get shuffled as soon as like the NBA starts up again or the NHL starts up again. Um, it seems like this would lead back into some of the things we were talking about previously where AEW would have its own streaming network where you could package all of this stuff together and kind of go the route of like WWE network to some extent. Um, but as far as the concept and having an all women's show, I, I don't think that's a bad idea at all. Um, I don't know that you need to introduce like women's tag team titles to do a, a women, all women's wrestling show, which uh, as I talked about on last week's show, seems like maybe they're gearing towards with some of the tag teams they've been making and little factions they've been making. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't really know what else to say about it. Cause the only news is that they've kind of thrown a name out there and want to do it right. As an idea uh, as, as far as women's wrestling goes and, and all, and all women's show uh, glow just signed a syndication deal through CBS and Sinclair broadcasting for all major networks. Wow. Uh, with the original people that did, uh, wow, yeah, wow, um, Glow, sorry, because of the... No, Netflix. you're good. It would be cool if Glow came back, though, <laughs> like with that retro look. <laughs> but it, it is the, it is supposed, it's the people that start, did the Glow original show, and, mm -hmm. and they brought this back in multiple different forms in the past, but apparently this time they actually have... They miss uh, AJ Lee, uh, AJ Mendez is, or, uh, you know, is, is, uh one of the head people in charge of that. And I think Tess is still there. I'm not sure. Yeah. So part of, part of why I'm bringing that up is, is there's obviously a market for that. And I don't know if that's con is going ahead and gearing towards that. Cause I would assume if WWE is building up a women's roster, they would also want to do something like that. I mean, the TV market is starved for anything that's non TV related just because streaming platforms are kind of eating all that stuff up anyways. So having like something like football, baseball, NHL, that's why you're seeing all these massive contracts come out for wrestling and um, kind of anything sports related or anything that's not a TV show, um, just making mass money on these TV contracts because it's original content that, that you can technically have that no one else can have. Absolutely. And um, 
So kind of to give a statement more so, the PW, uh, PW Insider made comment about this. And uh, they said that they're trying to do, the AW wants this to be on television. Uh, it's going to be called All Elite Women. Um, and the statement they made was entertainment services in the nature of creation, development, and production of television programming. Uh, have They have filed now for this and are trying to get it basically on what we just said on streaming or on television right now. So, and then officially, because this is actually kind of a, a big deal outside of Mass and Rain, being, you know, helping out with the women's division and being one of the head coaches now, which I think Serena Deeb's also included in that. Um, kind of like how on the other side of the spectrum we have, you know, Dean Malenko and Jerry Lynn helping out over there. But also Sanjay Dutt, who was, you know, now that he can't wrestle, um, you know, and he retired. He had a match, but let's face it, he didn't do a lot of anything with that one. But he was doing this in WWE, and he was doing this in Impact before that. Uh, Sanjay Dutt and QT Marshall are both vice presidents of show and creative coordination. Pat Buck is now the vice president of talent development. And Tony Schiavone was promoted to senior producer and special advisor to talent. I mean, all that's all that's interesting. For sure. I mean, there's some good names there to help out with the women's roster. And um, if they're going to bring in talent from DDT plus what they currently have on the women's roster and maybe go out and sign some more people, I, I, I would be interested to watch that show. Uh, my worry would be if you put it on TBS and TNT, they shovel those shows around time period as soon as NBA and, and uh, NHL come around. And, you know, Rampage is already getting pushed multiple times during those sports seasons specifically during the playoffs uh what what do you do with the women's show at that point and 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 also i just want to say rampage's like numbers the past two weeks were like thousand viewers so this probably wouldn't be the time to go after a syndication deal um for an all-female show yeah they have not been doing well and uh that's another situation where Brian Alvarez, people are mad at him for reporting the, uh, you know, the ratings. And not too long ago, WWE fans were mad at him for reporting the ratings for SmackDown or Raw. And it's like, when it comes to that, that's a person's job that's in that field. So I'm sorry, you know, you can say ratings don't matter. They do to an extent, and we've talked about that. now. Still, and I know there's a lot of hubbub with Discovery taking over Warner Brothers. Um, actually, I probably should just inform, since I know a lot about both the entertainment aspect and the wrestling aspect of that whole entire merger. But, you know, they're still some of the highest rated shows, especially Dynamite, that TBS, TNT, Time Warner, Discovery, Time Warner, whatever the fuck you want to call it, has. So I don't think anything is at risk. But just going into this really quickly, and I'll have another show that I'm going to be doing with my buddy uh, Abe uh, from Hyper Entertainment uh, that we're going to be doing either today or tomorrow recording-wise. Dane Rance talking about Marvel and DC 
Marvel mostly of what's happening within the future, problems they're having, and then DC, uh, what, you know, with Batgirl going and and everyone being worried about that, what's going to be happening with, you know, everything going on with Warner Brothers. And that kind of trickles into, like I'm saying, with wrestling, that the question, I, I saw Solomonster talking about this, and it seems, you know, it's fine when you're in a field. I'm not going to say I'm an expert or anything like that. I just follow this shit really, really carefully and have a lot of people that I trust and like to listen to that inform me. I know a lot about wrestling. I know a lot about entertainment, all that type of stuff. Zaslav, who is in charge of Discovery, because he takes out Batgirl, that has no bearings that if the wrestling programs themselves, even though we're talking about low ratings with Rampage, if they're still some of the highest viewed stuff on cable, which is slowly dying. I don't think we have to worry about them doing what time Warner did with WCW in the late nineties. I think that's extreme as hell. There's a lot of reasons, unfortunately, why taking a loss with $90 million with the background movie was probably the smartest idea because they're doing it as a tax write-off to recoup as much money as they can and if you do that, you can't put it on a streaming platform. You can't put it in theaters. And from what a lot of test audiences viewed it and a lot of Discovery and Warner Brothers execs said, it was garbage. And they want to do something in the future, but everyone needs to not freak out because the previous people that were in charge put into motion movies like The Wonder Twins. They gave a bunch of money to J.J. Abrams to do something in D.C. with Bad Robot, and he didn't do shit. So he's there. Zaslav's there to get everything in order, make money off of everything, and what he has faith in, they're going to put stuff in. But think about the previous regime before you freak out. And I also think it I, – I don't think it's going to do anything to AEW wrestling. And if it were to – they would be smart just to go to fucking streaming anyways because cable's dying. I still have no little little. Uh, I, I don't think there's any way that they're going to touch the shows Dynamite or, or even Rampage just because a lot of their content doesn't do shit on those platforms anyways. These actually get big numbers. So I could be crazy, Chris, but I kind of wanted to give a little preview for my Dane rants coming out and kind of I don't know try to inform people that might not know a lot about the whole entire inner workings with that deal. Yeah, no. And I agree with you. I don't, I don't think dynamite or rampage are going anywhere. Um, you still have the four specials that they have locked into the contract a year as well with AEW. If anything, I would think you would try to get rampage a better time slot. Um, yes. Now, now what will hurt it is if it stays around this 300,000, viewer range and then this video game flops and then you go to re-sign your next tv deal uh <laughs> what does that contract look like like those are the things to worry about not like the tv shows themselves getting taken off the air or anything and the, the, the air or anything and still that tv deal is still good till uh 2020 if i'm not mistaken yeah it still is uh and yeah that's the biggest thing right now because obviously I would say that Tony and especially his father, uh, you can say the Khan dynasty, they have enough money 
to support things, you know, going forward. But you got to start making money at some type of, you know, at some time. And I feel like video games are essential for any wrestling company. And they have been for a very long time uh, since the late 90s uh, with the rise of the 64 and PlayStation after it. You know, we we uh, we expect these video games to be good. And going into our next part, the uh, we had a trailer for the AW. Um, what is it called? Is it five? It, are they calling it? Yeah, Fight Forever. Um, and they're doing pre-orders for it. This game has to do well. They have been developing this for a long time. They have past developers, the main gentleman uh from japan i forgot what his name is i I apologize that worked on no mercy uh that worked at uh either aki or aki i forgot which what is the name of the company thq those developers that would go on to model ukes that would end up making the smackdown games all the way to 2k games um had a bunch of developers that left 2k and it's still taken two years we've heard the reports with kenny and not being happy with some of the developers, one of the people that were on the project leaving to go back to 2K Sports because of this. And I have to say, and I, it sucks because apparently you're not allowed to criticize. Or th- there's excuses from any end of the spectrum, whether it be like we always say, AEW or WWE. The game does not look that good. It doesn't look polished at all. You know, when they showed us that initial preview, we were like, okay, I hope this looks better in like two years when they're showing Chris Jericho, how he's going to look, Kenny Omega. And it just looked like it was from like a previous generation, if not two back of the wrestling consoles. Uh, it looks better than that. And it looks like, honestly, it, it the, the control system, which is going to be very similar because all of these like I said, Ukes went to 2K. Ukes came from a lot of the people involved with THQ, the American company that worked with Aki in Japan to make the No Mercy, WWE, or uh, WrestleMania 2000, all those 64 video games that everyone loves. So it's it looks very similar in fashion to the new 2K games, uh, you know, when it comes to engine-wise. Uh, it just, I don't know, it just doesn't look as... Uh, as good as I'm hoping, it says still that there, it you know the graphics are still in the works. It even says that on the commercial itself. I don't know if I would put out a commercial then. And they're making it sound like it's going to be coming out. I'm around Christmas time, so I don't know. This has been worked on for a long time. I hope it makes a bunch of money. I'm going to buy the game, but I hope it doesn't tank. That's that's the whole thing. And I'm not impressed. And I can say that if I'm not impressed with the look of the game, I hate that. People don't understand that criticism is going to be there, but I'm sick of seeing, well, don't expect it to be like 2K and all those WWE games. Well, when you have a chunk of the developers from that game come over to make this one, uh, it can still look good. It, It doesn't have to look like it's made, like I said, for a past generation of the Xbox or PlayStation, but maybe I'm being too super critical Chris, what did you think from this trailer? I love the uh, interaction with um, with uh, Tony and, and Britt, as always, but uh, they have mini games. 
so as far as the graphics go, if it was me shooting that commercial, I would have probably not just not, instead of doing the in-game engine of actual matches, maybe just showed the best graphics I could show and try to wrap that stuff up because many, many, many game developers do that. That's why when you're watching like a press conference for Sony, you'll see at the bottom, it says like, you know, in-game engine versus like that not being there. <laughs> so you don't get your expectations up too high or too low. Um, the gameplay looks a lot like the WCW versus the WR Revenge or, you know, WrestleMania 2000, which I'm excited about. I think that's, uh, I have more fun playing that, but the the newer 2K game they released, the last one they released, the one you've been playing a, a lot of, they also kind of did that. Like, they dialed back the simulation, and uh, I don't know. It's like that niche market when they announced this game two years ago, 2K kind of closed the gap on, and I guess we will see. They They... The press release for that had some interesting like match types and stuff. Like they have an exploding barbed wire death match on there. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. No, uh, and and I want to and I want to say, and you can comment directly after, is that some of the positives. I don't want to be all negative. They are doing different match types, like the exploding barbed wire match, and I'm sure they're gonna maybe try to do the blood and guts match. Th that's awesome if they do, and. They're going to have a My Career mode. Uh, they're going to have all the type of sharing capabilities that 2K has where you can share not only wrestlers, uh, created wrestlers, created entrances, but... Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Created arenas, but they're also going to be sharing created entrances. There's going to be a lot more small things involved with that, which I think is awesome and I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, and one thing, of, one thing I should note about the graphics is they're releasing all of this to all consoles in PC at the same exact time. So if you're putting that trailer together, they may be showing that running on Nintendo Switch hardware, which is going to be the lowest quality of graphics, if that makes sense. Yeah. Would would that be a case, Chris? Do you think that they had that the most developed, so they went with those graphics instead of waiting longer? Or should they have, I don't know, use like, the PlayStation or Xbox versions for the commercial, if that's the case. It's a catch-22, because if you show really great graphics and the person who gets the Switch, it looks completely like garbage <laughs> versus the other consoles or whatever. If they get, you know, if and you get... You, the Switch is the highest, uh, the highest, you know, they, they sell the most right now, right? Right, as far as consoles go. I mean, yeah. I mean, th th so it's a catch 22 because there are, there is like, I want to see this high highest graphic level, but then when you get it, it doesn't look like that. Right. Like if you have like an older Xbox, like I have, um, and someone's got the highest level Xbox and they're running in four, four K versus, you know, 1080 P it's going to look completely different. So the fact they decided to release it all at the same time for all the consoles, um, is kind of, like big nuts deal because WWE uh, 22 didn't do that. Like they spaced out the console release and the PC release. So you kind of knew what you were going to get with those. And they actually sell two different versions of that game. And I'm wondering if that's part of this. And, and we might see this with more games, not just wrestling games. But uh, I talked about this on the show previously, like depending on what version of WWE 
uh, 22 you have, you may not be able to play with the other person. <laughs> so we, we may see this with more games where they're going to show you two different levels of graphics. And I don't know if that's playing into it or not, but I would think, you know, if you're just trying to show show off like what the game engine looks like, you would go with the lowest level and then they'll do like a press conference or something to show what it's going to look like in 4K. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on the graphics. I think the mouse, the match type stuff is cool. I want to see what that be a player looks like because that's been one of my main problems with all of the 2K games is the B players always kind of suck. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Like you said, I'll, I'll, I'm going to buy it. I might hate myself afterwards. <laughs> I'm probably going to buy it on PC uh, as opposed to Xbox, unless I upgrade my Xbox. But um, if this game bombs, that's going to be really bad for AEW in general because they put a lot of money into the development of this game. Yeah, let's hope that it does well. Uh, I'm sure the graphics will get better. Um, I still think that fans can be critical if they want to about that. As long as they're not being dicks. You know, if you're some fucking WWE only mark that goes on the Twitter page and starts just wrecking it, just like that happens on the opposite, then you're just a douchebag, you know? But if you're someone that's criticizing it because you want the game and you want it to do well, there's a difference. Let's all get along. But yeah. Looking I mean, the, this game coming out. The game's coming out in November, so in like a month's time, video game reviewers are going to get their hands on it. And if you want to see if we're, that's when you're going to know if it's really good or not, when you have non-wrestling fans playing this game and yep. looking at it from a different perspective. Because I've, you know, like Giant Bomb, for instance, has buried a shit ton of WWE games that I thought were okay. Yep. Wait until IGN gets uh, cut loose on it. We'll find out very soon, though. And, uh, yeah, I hope that it does well. Uh, let's get into SummerSlam, man. Talk about this uh, wrestling event. You know, it's funny because a week ago, even though the changes were known by then with uh, Triple H, I still was, I think, understandably pessimistic about SummerSlam. And I had said to you the week previous before that and that week, I might actually like the uh, Ric Flair show more so than, than SummerSlam. Now, I did like the Ric Flair last match show. Uh, There's a lot of good things on there. But I thought th SummerSlam, like I said earlier, was very well done. Um, how'd you feel about your trip on SummerSlam? Was it as long as that entrance was to the fucking ring uh, in those uh, baseball stadium? see. <laughs> I actually like the show a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, even though that I don't think too much actually changed about the direction they were headed in during the show. Um, I ended up liking it better than Ric Flair's last match, but there's things on Ric Flair's last match I liked a lot better than things on SummerSlam. So it, it kind of evened out for me. But it was a good show and definitely worth the watch. And uh, the very first match on the card was fucking great. I can't imagine what it would be like if Becky didn't get hurt during this match because I feel like they had more planned. Yeah, I, I have to, before we even get into this match, I have to put Becky over it because the fact that she could, and she was still forcing herself, to, not like holding it limply, but at the beginning of the match, she separates her shoulder, and she's still putting full force and just dealing with it. Very similar to Cody and how he, uh, you know, ripped his pack and just kept on going. 
Uh, it sucks she'll be out from four to six months, but what a trooper, Chris. Uh, to have a separated shoulder and, and perform in that level of the match to which she did and put a lot of force on keeping her arm and shoulder going and not just, you know, hang there. Uh, very impressive. She must have been in a lot of fucking pain. Yeah, I can't imagine the pain she was going through, considering how early she hurt her arm and knowing this was one of the biggest matches on the card and, and trooping it out. I, I think a lot of people had this match kind of middling reviews before they knew she got hurt. Hopefully they bumped that review up way harder because I thought it was a really good match. And then hearing that she got hurt, I was like, oh, that could have been probably the best match on the card if she didn't get hurt. Um which Bianca and Becky always have great matches, so no surprise there. But holy shit, she is a fucking trooper, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think Becky did a good job. It's like you slowly went from her being cocky and arrogant within their storytelling-wise, and then kind of like realizing, like, oh shit, Bianca might actually have it, to, wow, you know, I have respect for her, to losing, and then also still, you know wow, like, my ego's gone, she beat me, this has been a year since I took her out really quickly, and it was the end of this Becky Heel era that had ups and downs, she still did great when it came to storytelling in the ring, uh, wrestling performance, and uh, promos, but no one wanted to fucking boo for Becky, we wanted to, we wanted to cheer her, and I, like I said, I think she's an incredible in-ring storyteller, uh, for having a separated shoulder, she did a great job. Bianca did a great job. This match was awesome. I don't give a fuck if I didn't know her shoulder was se- separated. Like I-, I saw her dealing with it, but I thought she was selling it, Chris. And I still thought it was a great match. So kudos to them. We'll talk about the aftermath. But Bianca won, and Becky, you know, gave her 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 uh, her accolades, you know, and shook her hand and put her over. And it was nice to see a return from the heel Becky that we just saw this last year, Chris. Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of giving Bianca the moment she stole from her, right. Uh, shaking her hand and being like, Hey, you bested me as the man I got bested. And I love the false finishes in this match. And I normally don't say that, but I thought they were really well done. It was a good match. I didn't know she was hurt in this match either. I just thought it was Becky Lynch just doing a good job selling. Cause she always does, but uh, major props to both the ladies in this match. Bianca's fucking great. Becky's fucking great. Uh, this roster has suddenly got more stacked, which I'm excited about. Sorry, I dropped my phone. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. And speaking about being stacked, Bianca is in the ring. Becky is talking to basically a medic on the outside because, you know, she actually did hurt herself. Uh, But, you know, before Bianca can do anything, she's celebrating. We hear some familiar music and Bailey comes out uh, acting heel as hell, which is good because even though she's a great baby face, she's all, she's been a really entertaining heel. She was one of the people that were the MVPs of that terrible COVID era of wrestling um, and she is back, and not only is she back, but she has some people with her. Then Dakota Kai's music hits, which apparently Bailey and Dakota Kai pitched to Vince an idea for the two of them starting a faction uh, a long time ago, and he turned it down, or at least turned Bailey down. So Dakota Kai comes out, 
Io Shirai comes out, now called Io Sky, uh, and they approach Bianca. They look like they're about to beat her down, and who comes back in the ring? Becky. And Becky goes, you know, shoulder to shoulder with Bianca, telling him to come on, and uh, nothing happened. We'll see what happened on Raw and the angle they set up. But, yeah, I love this ending. I love seeing all three of these ladies make their way, especially Bailey. I've missed Bailey, so this is going to be awesome, I think. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I still would have had Bailey come back earlier if she was ready and did something different, but you know what? It's not my show to run, um, and this should be a cool group, especially if they're going to try to revitalize, uh, revitalize the women's tag titles, uh, them kind of having like a fabulous Freebirds type deal going into a tag tournament. It uh, could be very interesting. And then when Becky comes back, maybe, you know, her and Bianca do a tag run or something. You have the potential of Naomi, Naomi and Sasha coming back. So um, exciting stuff. Uh, I'm very excited Io Shirai resigned. And it's good to see Dakota Kai back. So, I mean, all good stuff. Maybe not what I would have used Bailey for, but that's nitpicking. That's my fantasy booking versus their actual booking. And I will say, I will say that like both women's divisions now, who they're exposing, including in that uh, gauntlet match from last night, I'm actually I think they're they're really developing that division, and I think that Triple H is going to do that with the women's division, and eventually really try to get the tag division back in order, and I think that's great. Um, we need some we reworking. Also, I, well, I guess we'll talk about it on SmackDown, but I will say Shotzi's back, baby. And I'm excited for it. <laughs> yep. I am too. So next match. Maybe we just should have like shut our mouth because of the fact that Logan Paul performed well in, at WrestleMania and and the Miz. I think a lot of times get the shit on shit and on the stick um, in a lot of situations. But man. Logan Paul on the, uh, going against the Miz should not have been as good <laughs> as it was. And Logan Paul would end up winning. And I mean, the Miz had Maurice, uh, Tommaso Ciampa at ringside. By the way, Maurice, thank, thank, thank Jesus and every other entity that you, you exist. You're absolutely gorgeous and amazing. Um, but yeah, I, this match was fucking great, man. I mean, look, like, look, it wasn't like a classic or anything like that. But th- this match had no reason to be as good as it was. Logan Paul and I've seen a lot of legends put this over, is a natural athlete. And you combine that with someone that is an entertainer, and you've got a pretty good professional wrestler, I would say. He won the crowd over. He was getting booed because it's very hard to cheer for him because he has such a heel-esque personality uh, on YouTube and stuff like that, everything outside of wrestling, Um, especially his brother Jake, too. But... I think he's going to become a great heel, but, you know, doing a springboard moonsault to the outside, doing a blockbuster, Miz was great. He was great base. He was great, like, you know, getting from point A to point Z within the match. And, yeah, that that fucking – how can you not put over the fact that he got a full froggy in for that frog splash through the announce table? Um, I thought this match – delivered and it's funny because two of the best matches becky and bianca was great the main event was great those are probably my two favorites 
But close to that are the two matches that featured not really WWE wrestlers. They featured entertainers, you know, uh, within the sports industry with Logan Paul and one of them and Pat McAfee later on against uh, Baron Corbin. So I was impressed by this match, Chris. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I'm not surprised that Logan Paul is naturally athletic and, and was able to have a good match. I didn't think that that good match would be against the Miz, but something lit a fire under the Miz because <laughs> he had two good showings back to back. Uh, in comparison to the, let's say, the last few months we've seen of him in the ring. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice started to go. Um, but can yeah, you the, sing uh, Stevie Nicks for me right now with that raspy, sexy voice of yours? I can try my best. Um, but yeah, I mean, one of my favorite things in this match is they started it out with Miz doing amateur wrestling and Paul uh, doing like a waistlock takedown into a fireman's carry. <laughs> to start the match off. That's something I did not expect. Um, I I like Logan Paul. My my biggest problem going into this match is that they're both heels. And the storyline didn't make any sense, really. But uh, the payoff that they gave us, I thought, was pretty good. And the match was way better than I expected it to be. And The Miz on SummerSlam and on that Monday Night Raw uh, was way better than he's been in a long time. It's like they both had something to prove, and I feel like The Miz definitely has been acting like he has something to prove, Chris. And not only that, two negatives I can say is I agree with you. They shouldn't be trying to push Logan Paul as a babyface, and I understand he won over the crowd by the end of that, but maybe it's one of those situations opposite that once he becomes a heel, he's going to be a fucking great heel. But right now, I don't see that. And I also... I got to say, I know that Miz is kind of helping Tommaso Ciampa with the WWE style and kind of like, it doesn't work. And I'm not comparing workers to workers. So don't fucking get at me. But like, I don't, I w- maybe, maybe it did happen, but I don't remember this. I would never think that Jake Roberts would be hanging out with Ted DiBiase and buddy buddying with him, if you understand what I'm saying. Get Tommaso Ciampa away from the Miz. And that's nothing to do with the Miz. It just seems like, he should just be a lone wolf, basically. And I don't mean Baron Corbin. Yeah, Ciampa in general, if he's not in a tag team with Johnny Gargano, he needs to be out on his own, just character-wise. And, and it, as far as WWE style goes, I don't know how much of that's still going to be a thing in the very near future. <laughs> you know what I mean? Time to play the game. <laughs> yes, which Triple H is a very WWE-style wrestler, but as we've seen in the past... Uh, he has no problem with booking someone like a Sami Zayn and letting him kind of run wild in NXT or, you know, giving Kevin Owens a lot more rope than he's had um, on the, his main roster run or Finn Balor, et cetera. So it'll, that, that's one thing that's going to be interesting to see. And, and maybe good wrestling is just good wrestling, you know, to some extent. And, and maybe that's why Miz is uh, starting to show off a little bit <laughs> more than he has in the past is because, It's a whole different regime, and there's a lot of young bucks looking to take your spot, bud. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But good match, man. Uh, Just exceeded expectations, I'll just put it that way. Uh, I don't remember a lot about this next match, and I apologize. I remember the ending and how they got to it, but 
you know, we had the aftermath on Raw with the main event, but we had the Mysterios going against Judgment Day. Uh, they had Rhea Ripley in their corner, and it was a no DQ match. So a lot of uh, some bullshit. Rhea Ripley basically could just beat the shit out of, uh, you know, both Ray and Dominic if she wanted to, and she did. Um, but I guess the biggest thing is that Edge came back. Um, someone did a pattern of like Edge's hairstyles throughout the years and like combining it to DDP at his various time periods. And it's kind of funny. They have a similarity. Their hair gets like all big and bushy and then kind of gets shorter. And now it's, you know, Edge's, uh, Edge's got a completely different look. He came up looking like, uh, the PC principal from South Park, but just like the, uh, the evil version of him or something like that. But, uh, I'm just kidding. He, he looked great. He came out, helped the Mysterios win. Uh, I don't know where the fuck Judgment Day is going, really. It was weird seeing Finn Balor in pants. I'm used to him in shorts. I don't know what the hell that really means, but I guess it's Edge versus them. We'll find out where that goes. Um, but yeah, it was good seeing Edge back, obviously. Uh, both him and Becky, Chris, on Raw basically had the, yeah, I know I was a douchebag for a while, but I love you guys. And people accepted it. So there you go. <laughs> the Judgment Day is now just a tag team, right? Because Rhea's yeah. Edge left. They didn't change them into supernatural beings, which is what Edge was trying to avoid. So uh, the breakup of them makes absolutely no sense of why Edge left. And the Mysterious beat them. Geeks. Um, yeah, basically they're geeks. We'll, we'll see. Maybe they can revitalize them here, but... Uh, I will say that the the somewhere in this match, one of the ropes just came completely loose, and they had to work around it, which I think hurt the match, especially with yeah. the, the stereo and Balor being in there. No, I completely. That's a good call. I completely forgot about that and agree with you. That definitely played something to do with it. I even did that kind of mess with Pat McAfee in the next match, but we'll get there. But yeah, I'm glad they were able to, you know, figure that out. Well, it really wouldn't matter when it came to the main event because the fucking ring got destroyed anyways, but whatever. Um, Here's the question. Bray comes back. Say it's a new incarnation or whatever. Do you put him by himself or do you try to maybe put him in the leadership role with Damian, Rhea, and uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Finn? Um to oppose Edge. Do you think that could be a good place for him? By himself. By himself? Okay. Per- I mean, it per- makes sense. Um, I, the problem is Judgment Day kind of just fell apart before it ever really got started. And, and if you just throw Bray in there, I don't know that he's going to be able to revitalize it. You know? Yeah. yeah. And if you want him to have a feud with Edge, you could just have Bray have a feud with Edge without tying him to a group. I also feel like if there is a time for Finn just to be the fucking demon, this would probably be it. But I don't, maybe I'm just crazy for thinking that, but yeah, I I, I can see what you're saying completely. Um, We'll find out. I Damian Priest is fucking awesome. Rhea Ripley's fucking awesome. Finn Balor's awesome. I do like a little bit, uh, Brian Alvarez is talking about this. I do like some of the stuff with Dominic because the idea of Dominic finally converting and saying, fuck it and join the judgment day 
and becoming like an, like what Brian was saying, like an evil Rey Mysterio, like putting on a mask and kind of like a dark version of that. That is kind of cool. I don't know if they're going to go in that direction or not, but I, I just wanted to put over Brian for uh, coming up with that storyline. That would be awesome. I don't know if I'd utilize it here. I would save it until Ray's ready to hang up the boots and do a mask versus mask retirement match or something. There you go. All right, next match. Happy Corbin lost to Pat McAfee, but this was a good match. There was, like I said, that one scary moment where Pat did a springboard to the outside and almost lost his footing because still the ropes were a bit loose and he made it, which is really good for him, but it would have sucked if he just ate shit from that. But um, 10 minute match, Pat McAfee, once again, Chris shows off the fact that keep on bringing him in. He's going to still do that pen or pencil twirly thing that Mr. Perfect did every time he's at the desk because he's nailed it. Uh, but if you want him in the ring, he'll have a fucking great match. Yeah, I mean, this was a fine match. Once again, I think it was hindered by the ropes. They should have fixed this between matches. I don't know why this was still a problem here, but it was. I don't know if they just didn't tighten, tighten them enough or, or not. And like you said, uh, Pat almost died. <laughs> uh, Corbin hit like an awesome deep six in this match. And that's kind of all the notes I have about it, other than, you know, Pat got a win. I thought the match could have been better than what it was, but it was kind of hindered by the circumstances they had going on. Yeah, I, I completely agree. All right, the next match, what suffers, the thing I thought was going to suffer with it, is that the fact that, all right, you throw out Jeff Jarrett. So he doesn't do any type of heel thing, so there's no dynamic difference in this match that we've seen a million fucking times. Uh, all right. I, and I guess they were trying to, they, they were doing a little bit of like frustration from Montez Ford. Angelo took the pin, you know, that was called out obviously by Seth Rollins on Monday night raw. So I see the plants are seeding. There's part of me that thinks that you could have those guys still as a unit, very much like the new day. If Montez does his own thing, um, but it seems like they're going slowly down the trail of them breaking apart. We'll see how that works. But, I mean, I'm just – I really hope that – and I know he will, actually. Triple H, I'm looking forward, I should say, to him. Getting some differences in the fucking tag division. How about one set of tag titles that travels both show in a full developed tag division? How about that? I think that would work out a hell of a lot better because I'm sick of watching the same – fucking tag teams over and over and over again. But I love all these guys. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he addresses that tag team situation, especially since all of the other major brands out there have a good tag division at this point. Impact, I think, has a pretty solid tag division, and obviously AEW has a great tag division. If you Well, yep. UN Ring of Honor. Um, so, and, and tag tag wrestling works people have really enjoyed those matches so you would think that triple h has probably taken note of that and and wants this to be a thing but this was just a setup for the breakup of uh montez ford and dawkins i don't know that jeff jarrett needed to be there <laughs> what the fuck did he do he caused a distraction which caused the finish but he didn't do anything wrong in the match like he didn't interfere with the match at all realistically other than like one of the usos tried to super kick him 
You know what I mean? Like there, he was pretty much like a Ken Shamrock referee in this match. Um, I would have probably just got Jeff out of this match if I was booking it and had like Roman hit him with a fucking guitar before going out to the ring and said, what's up slap nuts or something. <laughs> and then they had to get a different ref. I would have probably done something like that. And you still could have done the same bullshit finish. Like you said, it didn't teach it. it this, we didn't learn anything from this match because we've seen it a bazillion times. The Usos still came out on top. The only thing it's building to is getting Montez Ford a singles run, but there's a change in the guard now. Do, does Triple H even want Montez to have a singles run? I think so, because Triple H has been pretty high on Montez back when he was in uh, NXT. But we'll see. You know, I, I still think this developing concept's interesting. One small little note, Chris. If you're going to have Jeff Jarrett and anything going forward, get fucking rid of his original theme music from WWE, the fucking fiddle, you know, uh, square dancing bullshit. It's like my favorite, obviously, is the one he used in uh, in the Ric Flair match, the My World theme from Impact. They're not going to use that. I get that. But, I mean, he can come out to My Baby tonight, you know, or uh, Don't Piss Me Off, like his later theme music that, you know, in the <laughs> Attitude Era. I, I don't ever want to hear, like, no, no. Uh it. I mean, he owns the rights to that My World, so they should just have him come out to that if they're not worried about. That's the whole thing is WWE just trying to copyright thing. Isn't it so weird that that Jer- Jeff Jarrett can go from being a babyface referee in one match, just coming out like, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" to being one of the most efficient heels and almost getting the audience wanting to fucking fight him, you know, before that Ric Flair match, like. Kudos to Jeff, man. My God. <laughs> yeah. Jeff Jarrett's weekend was brought down by being part of this match. <laughs> yes. <laughs> really. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jeff, Jeff's great. It's easy right, to so- say that now, like 10 years removed from what Impact became in like <laughs> 2012, 2013. Yeah, dude. Just great heel in the industry. Hope, I hope they do more with them. Uh, the next match was probably my least favorite. Less than five minutes. Liv Morgan defeated Ronda Rousey. And I, if this is just to get her to snap and now she's a heel and we're going to see a different side of this and that's what Triple H is going for, I can deal with it, I guess. But basically, Ronda ragdolled Liv Morgan the whole entire time. And Liv Morgan got a, I think it was a roll-up, but Ronda, her shoulders clearly weren't, you know, on the mat, like, but the referee apparently couldn't see it from his direction. So afterwards, she snapped. She beat the shit out of Liv Morgan and then beat the shit out of the referee. So she's suspended for right now. That's why she wasn't on, which, honestly, keeping her off probably is a good idea. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm sorry, fans. I'm over Liv Morgan as champion. <laughs> so I'll just leave it at that. Chris, what do you think? I mean, I was never behind Liv Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, fans. <laughs> um, yeah, Rhonda had every right to be pissed off. If anything, this makes her a baby face. She's the one that got fucked over in this match, right? I don't think that's what they well, were. Well, uh, 
Did they think that did did uh, WWE think that that people were actually going to boo her last night because they fucking booed her out of the building? To live or Ronda? Live more. Uh, yeah. Ronda wasn't there. They were cheering for Ronda Rousey and booing her. Okay, you're talking. Yeah, you're talking about uh, SmackDown. Sorry, I thought we were still talking. Yeah, about sorry. I got, I, I got you. I get what you're saying. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Ronda Rousey took a loss and still became a bigger start. I think everyone knows the live experience experiments done, or at least the people that were in that building. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, to yep. me, this, um, Rhonda had every right to beat the shit out of this referee and and Liv Morgan because she just got fucked out of a win. Yep, and uh, we'll see what happens. I would I would straight up make Ronda Rousey babyface or heel. I don't think that should even matter. Just make her cold as fuck and give her a mouthpiece. Um, Paul Heyman's, he's recouping right now from going through a table. So let's talk about that match. <laughs> Holy fuck, man. Last man standing, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar. This match was fucking crazy. It's probably one of the best, I would say, last man standing matches I've seen in a long time. I have to agree with you. Best thing on the show, and uh, I, I Brock Lesnar's fucking great. <laughs> this version is of, he now Stone Cold Steve Austin, basically. Pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> it's like him and Austin got drunk one day, and he's like, "You should just do what I did, kid." <laughs> and then Brock's, Brock's like, like, "I will." <laughs> um, this is every this is the best match they've had, I think. Yeah. I'm trying. I mean, if you take away the the three, what was it, John Cena, Reigns, and Brock, did, wasn't mm-hmm. that a that was a pretty good match? But as far as just Roman versus Brock solo, this is the uh, the best match, and I think they did a good job of booking it with giving them kind of some good smoke and mirrors. So it's hard to even like name highlights. These guys. Beat the fuck out of each other. They did every one of their moves six million times to each other through the outside. Spears, yeah, the Usos got involved. They got fucking taken out. Uh, Paul Heyman, like I said, I have never seen him take a. Uh, oh my god! If you want to listen to a funny recap of this, check out check out. If you don't hate him, Jim Cornette, and he's like, "Wow, that is amazing." And he's like, and like Brian Last is like, "What?" And he goes, "It was like." Bruno Bruno San Martino when he picked up Haystacks Calhoun, fucking Brock Lesnar picking up the Walrus and f5ing this motherfucker through the damn announce table, and Heyman was dead and he sold it this last week, but it's like God damn it, Jim! Like he was basically making a bunch of fat jokes because he's friends with Paul and shit like that, but just roasting his ass saying that he was like when Bruno picked up Haystacks Calhoun's. And then he was like, or Luger with fucking Yokozuna. It was amazing. He didn't strain himself. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I love Paul Heyman. But yeah, that was that was a feat of strength, I would say, Chris. Because he's like he's like a ball. He's like a he's like a round ball, and like hear him go, like, no, no, no. You know, while begging for his he's like, he's like, that's my moneymaker. I have a family, Brock. You know this. Amazing. <laughs> 
we've talked about this on the show before, but Dan Reichert, who did the New Days podcast, was a uh, member of Giant Bomb as a video game reviewer for a long time, once asked Brock Lesnar if he ever f 5 to Cal. <laughs> and Brock was like, yes. <laughs> this is proof he can F5 a Cal, right? <laughs> That's basically what Paul Heyman was getting at, or uh, Cornette was getting at. One day, Paul Heyman is going to get fired from the WWE and start a podcast, and he's just got, I'm sure he's just got pages and pages on Cornette. He's ready to let off. Oh, fucker. Um, uh, my favorite thing in this is the, the theory non-cash-in. Oh, <laughs> oh we forgot about that match. I completely skipped over it. Theory got beat by, by Bobby Lashley in five minutes. Um, I'm going to say though, people, I don't think this is bad. I know that they keep on like, Oh, your dad's gone. So you're fucked. Once again, triple H hired Austin theory. Originally, he saw the most of them. He pushed them up to the main roster. And if everyone remembers when he was just floating around, I think with Seth Rollins and then just dropped back to NXT, you know, triple H got him back on the main picture. And then Vince took to him all of a sudden out of nowhere. So I don't think. This whole entire, you know, false cash in or losing to Bobby Lashley is anything that bad. I think it's going to humble theory. They kept him off television and we're going to do some stuff going forward. But I heard he's buried. Blah. Hold on. yards, Chris. I mean, I, I guess I, I, I know. Yeah, I agree with you. But the idea is like you're going to do something awesome with Bobby Lashley now that there's a change in regime and he's such a big deal and he's just recently came off a title run it him losing the theory is not or theory losing him is not a huge deal and the false cash in is great because everyone expected <laughs> me to get the win here and he just ran in and lesnar was like nope fuck that shit <laughs> and fucked the fuck out of it <laughs> oh my god and if they just continue to do that until he does cash in maybe say when killer cross and roman are having a match Ah, that's um, a good idea. You know, maybe Paul Heyman turns heel on Roman and he cashes in, and you put Theory and the Paul Heyman together. Maybe Austin Theory comes out and he cuts a fucking CM Punk promo, and he's like, "My name is Austin Fucking Theory, not Theory." <laughs> There's a lot you can do with Austin Theory. Don't be worried about it, guys. He's gonna be fine. Exactly, and I agree. Um, but yeah, this is great spectacle. Obviously, the big ending, though, Chris, you know, Brock rode a tractor to the ring, uh, giant fucking whatever that I, I don't even know if that was a tractor, you know, a dump truck uh, <laughs> and Brock. picked up the goddamn ring. And Roman in the spot is at the top of one side and fucking just falls down. And I mean, part of it was like the Titanic was fucking, you know, sinking sort of. Roman just falling down from the top of it all the way to the outside. It was nuts. It was crazy. But just a fucking such a fun match. Ridiculous. It it felt good to see a WWE spectacle type ending that didn't suck. Like one of those crazy things that you really only see in WWE. This one was a good one of those. Um, yeah, the ending was insane. The fact that Roman Reigns and the Usos had to bury this man under the ring that he destroyed <laughs> to get the win also keeps Lesnar pretty strong. 
Dude, I was worried that they hurt him on that. Like, he was selling so well that when Roman was on top, maybe he was hurting him. I thought that he was legitimately like, a fucking monitor's on my ankle, you motherfucker. But I think Brock was just selling. I think Yeah, I think Brock was just doing a good job selling. Otherwise, we'd have heard that backstage, <laughs> Brock Lesnar broke Roman Reigns' arm. Or punched him in the face. Yep. But uh, good shit, man. SmackDown was fun. Let's go over really quickly. We're going to kind of group some stuff together, I would say. Uh, Ric Flair's last match. We got a lot of shit to cover today. But, uh, all right. The pre-show, I did not see either uh, match. I know Red Narita won his his match. Uh, Clark Connors uh, got injured, like you were talking about last week. They put Yuya Yamamura in there. They had a short match. Mance Warner won the uh, Battle Royal, the Bunkhouse Battle Royal, and uh, got a chance to go against Mr. John Moxley, and we'll talk about that later. And he eliminated the last person, Bully Ray. First match. This was awesome match. I wish we had more. 11 minutes. Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Saban, Chris, went against the Wolves, Davey Richard and Eddie Edwards. And, I mean, basically the majority of the match was Alex Shelley getting the shit kicked out of him by the Wolves who are like, you know, just Davey Richards is fucking ripping him apart, getting Eddie in for some big hits, headbutting him back and forth, doing a lot of that shit. They had uh, Scotty Moore on commentary. Uh, well, I don't know why his voice turns into Peter Griffin. Anyways, I'll work on the, uh, the uh, Canadian accent. Uh, but... <laughs> Scott putting over the history of these guys. That was really cool because the thing is they start off and Bob Cottle has to be fucking just old as hell. He introduces it. It's got the Jim Crockett, the whole look of the fucking old, you know, uh, sets that they had. They had the music and then Tony Schiavone and fucking David Crockett are the ones doing the announcing. I thought David was a little bit out of place, Chris. Just because you could tell he didn't know a lot of the wrestlers, but they had a third person for almost every match. Like I said, Scott Demore in this one that I thought it worked. I thought the Wolves and fucking uh, Motor City Machine Guns killed it. They haven't had a match in 15 years, and uh, you know uh, the Motor City Machine Guns would end up winning. Like I said, I just wanted more of this match itself. But how did you like the look, the overall feel? I mean, we had David Pinzer doing the announcing. It's like Conrad really went out of his way to make this as authentic as possible. And the first match, great match to start off, just wanted something longer than 11 minutes. Uh, you're talking about the Renderita match for the first match, right? Um, no, 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 no. The first match being the Motor City Machine Guns. Like, that was on the pre-show, but the Motor City um, Machine Guns and the uh, the Wolves. Same as you. I think this match would have been better if you gave it, like, five to ten more minutes. Um, but for the time given, it was it was really fucking good. But both these tag teams are really good. It made me want to see more of it, but I don't think they're going in that direction on impact. So it may yeah, be isn't, before is, we see this again. <laughs> isn't Davey Richards supposed to be at odds with Eddie Edwards, or, or have I just missed uh, too many impacts? Well, they were, because they did that Honor No More and um, with this... God, was it Eddie? Eddie was on one side, and the surprise yep. was Davey on the Motor City Machine Gun side, and also Alex Shelley is 
kind of feuding for the title. So that's why um, I got the win. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, for just a random thrown together tag match that they didn't have enough time with. Also, I don't know if you heard about this, but apparently there was a lot of travel issues. Like oh. Showed up like two hours late to the show and uh, your boy Alexander Hammerstone was supposed to be on the show and his entire flight got canceled Damn. from where he was flying from. So there were supposed to be more people on the show, but they were flying in the day of, I guess. And uh, that may have messed with some of the time where they thought they had less time than they really did. Uh, because like, I, I can't remember if it was Alvarez or Dave talking about it. They basically said like pretty much all of these matches could have went like five minutes longer based on when the pay-per-view ended and how much time they had uh, in the venue itself. But they also didn't know how long the last match was going to run because they had all the, well, we'll get into the smoke and mirrors and all the different personalities they had. So, um, if there was one match you could have given an extra 10 minutes to, it would have been this one. <laughs> yeah. This was, I, uh, I like Scott saying that uh, Alex, you know, is going for the title, and he is the only one actually in this match that hasn't had a world title because Eddie Edwards, Davey Richards, and Chris Sabin have all had the Impact world title at some point. That was actually a cool thing to build up Alex going into him going against Josh Alexander. And I don't think Alex has held it anywhere, or at least in any of the major indie promotions or Impact or anywhere he's been in in America, as far as I know. So, like, if he does end up beating Joss Alexander for the title, it would be really cool to have him have the boyhood dream has come true type moment. Um, just as a yeah. big Shelly Motor City Machine Guns fan, I think that would be a really cool moment. Well, you got one guy that was uh, ridiculously influenced by Shawn Michaels and one guy that was ridiculously influenced by Bret Hart. So we'll, uh, we'll have a great crossover when we get to that match. I need to get better at at Impact. They, they still have had really good shows, from what I've heard, but I definitely pay attention to the to the uh, pay per views. You know, I'll watch pay per views. Same thing I do for NXT. Um, it's just there's so much fucking wrestling out there, man. I'm glad yeah. it's good. <laughs> yeah, we've been absolutely getting buried with multi weekend pay per views and uh, G1 and oh, yeah. the Vince McMahon stuff and. Uh, AEW doing crossovers <laughs> so it's I, I've kind of even fell off a little bit on the weekly impact even though I think it is one of the better shows to watch as far as like a TV program goes right now absolutely these uh, next matches also same thing suffered from being a little bit over five minutes good stuff from what I saw Killer Cross uh, we had MLW I forgot the announcer but it was great having him on uh, he's a new announcer for MLW, really good with Tony, bringing up Tony's history with MLW, which would even trickle into uh, Rampage from last night with him putting over Mance Warner. But, you know, Tony's been there, and we have Davey Boy, who I believe, was he the latest Upper Cup winner, or was it Carrying Cross? One of them, they were talking about that, and just the lineage of Stampede and how it kind of goes into MLW because they have the Opera Cup, which before they revitalized it was held by Stu Hart before that. So that was really cool with the history and stuff like that. Both guys looked awesome. It was a lot of chain wrestling, you know, putting over the fact that, and I didn't even know this, that, you know, Killer Cross got trained by one of the Gracies. He's also spent a lot of time with Vandalay Silva. 
getting better at his style. And then combating that with Davy Boy, who's been taught by his dad, obviously, when he was younger. Brett's had a lot of work. And Billy Robinson. Great technical match. Five minutes, 20 seconds. Killer Cross wins. And this would be, obviously, his last uh, spot in the Indies, obviously. you know. And then we had a great four-way with uh, Jonathan Gresham, Alan Angels, uh, uh, Takeshka, and then Nick Wayne. All of them look great. Five minutes, though. Jonathan Gresham wins. He is now the number one contender for the Progress World Championship. So I guess Gresham isn't completely out uh, with wrestling, but at least with AEW or, or Ring of Honor or whatever. Yeah. I, he asked for his release. Did Tony actually give it to him? Not 100% sure. Yeah, okay. Well, I guess we will see. Um, it would be interesting if he showed up on NXT. Hoo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> Gresham, that is. Uh, no, that would be awesome. Uh, but yeah, one of my favorite parts of the Davy Boy Smith Jr. and Killer Cross match is they're going back and forth with punches, and every time Cross hits one, Scarlet's in the background going harder and again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is just a little cool thing that she draws to that character, and I'm so glad to see them back, and I'm excited to see what they were going to do because I thought that was a cool act. I'm I, I'm still Killer Cross in the ring is eh. But the whole package with him and her together with the hourglass and and calling people out and making him look like a monster, um, I think works really well. You know what I mean? So that was cool to see. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, Gresham's fucking great. So is Alan Angels. Uh, I love Alan Angels. It gets signed to NXT as well. I want Takeshita to not get put in matches that he's going to lose. Looking at you, Tony Khan, maybe give this man a win since he's got himself over so hard on your show by having high-profile matches and taking L's. Yeah, man, Kanoshke uh, Takeshka is he's, – he's another future fucking uh, big wrestler, and he's doing great. He was a great aspect from uh, DDT in this whole entire, you know, uh, interaction between the two companies. Yeah. But, we had the uh, four horse, and they did this so great. The video package, building up the history with the rock and roll and the horsemen, and you know Brian Pillman Jr. and Brock Anderson coming out with the horseman shirts. Brock looks pissed, looks just like his dad back in the day. Like you know, everything's in front of them straight. I'm gonna you know beat the hell out of these people. Uh, Brian Pillman looked great. Arn with them, obviously. Rock and Roll Express with Ricky Morton and Kerry Morton. And Robert Gibson was there to, you know, make sure Arn didn't get involved. This match was fun. Uh, some of my favorite stuff was what I was looking forward to with Brian Hillman Jr. and Kerry Morton being able to do some fast-paced stuff back and forth. And uh, what killed it was the fact that it was 7 minutes and 40 seconds. The Horseman won, but, you know, this is something that could have been stretched out much more. But really cool concept. And honestly, can we please get Pillman and fucking Anderson and a tag team together in AEW with, with uh, Arn. I think this presentation is way better than what they've had before. No offense to Lee Moriarty or Griff Garrison. Or not Lee Moriarty, uh, 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 Lee Johnson. I want Arn, I want fucking Pillman, and I want Anderson as a unit. I, I think that's a great idea, and if they're going to take this storyline and run with it anywheres... And especially if he's going to be stuck under contract, 
this would maybe be a good spot to throw MJF in as the Ric Flair of this group. And then yeah. add one other person. I don't know that that's going to happen. This could have just been a one-off for this pay-per-view, a passing of the torch of sorts. Uh, but that could be really awesome and really fun. Uh, the match itself was fine. Like you said, it was very short. And people might say it's because Rock and Roll Express was in there, but I saw them go 30 minutes with the Briscoes like a year ago. So <laughs> yeah, and and it's not like it's not like uh, Ricky Morton was working with Robert Gibson. He was working with his son Carrie, who could do a maj- and that's one thing, Chris. I will say, Carrie Morton, holy fuck, a chip off the old block, right? And and also Ricky's just so good at selling. He doesn't even have to really do a whole lot. No. <laughs> he could just take a back body drop and sell for five minutes, and I'd be happy. Uh, but. Yeah, the match was fine. I like the passing of the torch, the illusion of horsemen versus, you know, rock and roll. It's, it's fine. Yep. Uh, then I think that most of the matches going forward were really good. We had a 12-minute match with Ray Phoenix, Bandito, the Rado Kid, and Black Taurus. Um, and this was, as everyone said, you know, similar to the Triple A Triple Mania match with Vikingo and uh, Ray Phoenix won. So he's going to be having a match with Vikingo for the title. There is a good possibility, Chris, that Ray Phoenix, like John Morrison did in the past, will hold the AAA Cruiserweight champion, the Latin American champion, and the mega championship if he beats Vikingo, which is a pretty good accomplishment within AAA. I love this match, by the way. It was awesome. Fast-paced, fucking ridiculous. Um... I mean, if anyone expected different, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, if someone told me this was their favorite match on the show, I wouldn't have a hard argument against it. I thought it was a really, really good fucking match. And uh, Ray Phoenix went out there, and he was like, Ric Flair who? I'm going to be the biggest star on this show. And he put in fucking work in this match. Um, Him and Bandito together especially, man, were fucking killing it. But yeah, I, I mean, mine, obviously, I'm a mark for Motor City Machine Guns, but if someone was like, this was the best match of the show, it'd be hard to disagree with. It was short. <laughs> it, just, it was it was like 12 minutes. Yep. You know how bad it sucks if you get a fight forever chant and then it, the match ends like one minute later? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like Ray's like, well, the finish is one minute away. What do I do? I don't want to go longer on Rick's show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, Lord. Uh, all right. Probably this might be my favorite match of the night, man. Um, Josh Alexander with the Impact World Championship on the line against Jacob Fatu. Uh, it ended in a no contest beforehand. I mean, both guys are so fucking good. I mean, I have no idea how Jacob Fatu does all the springboards he does, but, I mean, the man has an amazing lineage. Those Polynesian wrestlers can do some fantastic, crazy things, especially within his family. Uh, He's just a fucking monster, man. And Josh is Josh. But the thing that happened was the Major Brothers hit the ring, Smart Mark Sterling, Matt Cardona, Brian Myers started beating the shit out of both the Impact Champion and the past MLD, MLW World Champion. And who stood up to save it? Diamond Dallas Page, 
and I'm going to be a mark for this, gets up out of his seat, jumps over the fucking guardrail, runs in the damn ring, and nails Matt Cardona with a diamond cutter and saves and helps out the other guys fight off. Which sucks because it's like, damn it, I want to match with Matt Cardona and fucking Diamond Dallas Page now, but DDP's done. Uh, but it was a fun moment. <laughs> I th- I thought it was great. And uh, yeah, uh, th- this was really enjoyable. Even with a no contest, what they did was smart. I'm assuming, Chris, this might have been the place where Hammerstone was supposed to be. And maybe this was the – because he's about to go against Fatu again for the t- title. So maybe they had to do this, but – I mean, they got a pretty good fucking outcome if that was the case with the Major Brothers. Yeah, right. And if Diamond Dallas Page ever does want to work another match uh, and, like, let's say NWO, him versus Matt Cardona is not a bad deal either. (laughs) Yeah. This works out for the – yeah, I think this was the Alexander Hammerstone moment, but it it worked out great with DDP just coming in hitting Dotton Cutters. This match was was good, man. Yeah. I mean, it had an, it had no finish to it, which I guess is why it's a little lower on my mm-hmm. match of the night. I expected the next match to be way better than it was, and I don't think it was because of the Briscoes. I think I'm just not a fan of this Von Air tag team. I think once again, though, that something that killed them was the fact that it was less than eight minutes. But yeah, the Briscoes defeated the Von Erics, and. At first, it was a lot of fun, and then it kind of fell apart, and then it was over. That was it. But the Briscoes, I think, got a, you know, technically a high-profile win after a couple losses just now. You know, losing the Impact titles, and then going and losing the chance to get the Ring of Honor championship. So, you know, the Von Eriks are kind of like that big tag team from MLW, so I don't know. It was weird not, uh, not seeing their dad there, too which I kind of expected Kevin, because he usually is, uh, to be a part of this. But very quick, over. Yeah, I'm wondering if he was on a separate flight or something since they, since the rumors are they got delayed for two hours. So who, who knows what happened there? I would kind of assumed he would have been there as well. Uh, Jay and Mark did most of the communication in this match. So uh, it, it seems like they didn't have time to work any of this out. <laughs> Really? And maybe that's why I didn't like the match as much. I, going in, I thought this was going to be a really great match. Because I thought the you would have, you know, Kerry on the outside and uh, Jay and Mark basically ending up being shitbag heels based on this match, right? Um, and, and feuding off with him, but that's not what happened. Uh, I think the Briscoes did as good as they possibly could. It's the same yep. with the Von Erics, considering the circumstances. In the time given, if the time was actually eight minutes, then they, I guess this match was fine. All these matches are WWE. <laughs> yeah. Basically. And uh, Ian Riccoboni uh, joined commentary for that match uh, because of the Briscoes. So that was good hearing him. And that was, that was the thing that they had throughout the whole entire night. Um, what is the name? I, I feel bad forgetting about him, but he was the, uh, he's in AAA, but he was also doing Spanish commentary. What is the main uh, Spanish commentator that got fired from WWE recently? Is it Carlos Cabrera's? Am I thinking? Oh, I'm making up shit. I would have to. I would have to look it up. Hugo. Hugo uh, Vinovich. I don't remember the one that always 
whenever a fucking table bump would happen in the Attitude Era, it was always on the Spanish announced team's table, and he would fucking take a bump. And he worked for them for years, but... uh, <laughs> Hugo, uh, I, I, I will slaughter his last name. You got closer than me, but yeah, that's... He is their primary commentator. It was good seeing him around, too. I always enjoy the fact that I can see his face on the AAA matches now that he's back in Mexico. All right, next match. Jordan Grace, Deanna Prazo, Rachel Ellering. God, man. Right off the top. And I think this happened to Alex. Uh, I believe he had a minor uh, tweak. It was, yeah, yeah, in, in, in his match, but much worse because apparently he's fine. Rachel Ellering, like, rolled her fucking ankle right at the beginning because they were rolling around. Jordan Grace literally rolled on top of her and brought her leg on accident with it. So she went to the outside for a while, and, you know, Deanna and Jordan kind of had a beginning or a good portion of the beginning. And Rachel, once again, a badass, came in and fucking did the rest of the match with a obvious rolled ankle. And you could tell that from the spot that where it happened, it wasn't a fucking spot. It was definitely an accident. But still had a good match. Jordan Grace got the win uh, by submission. I believe she did it to, I think it was Deanna Perrazzo. I can't remember, but no, uh, she, not, she hit Ellering with a rear naked choke. That's right. That's right. But um, sucks for Rachel. Yeah, I. it really does, because you could tell that they had something planned for this match, and then she went out really early after getting her ankle rolled, and I heard she's going to be out for for a little while. Not that she's working in a main promotion, but if they were planning on bringing her into Impact, now they're going to have to wait a, a bit. Um, this match was okay. Yep. All right, last match, 27-minute match. Ric Flair and Andrade went against Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. I mean, the biggest thing, you uh, you hear my world come on and Jeff Jarrett comes to the ring with Karen, and he's literally just getting in the face of like people everywhere trying to cause commotion. Just great heel heat. All right, so I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna give Ric Flair the benefit of the doubt. He's older. He's been rolling in the ring with Jay, getting ready for this. Uh, apparently, asked Jay pretty much recently if he'd you know be a part of it, but he's fucking 73 years old. There's no reason that he should be in the goddamn ring in the first place. And at first, I thought Rick was great, and then Rick's. You know, it's not like he has a cardio like he did in the fucking 80s. Trying to go 27 minutes is a lot. And he picked some good guys to help, you know, with his son-in-law, Andrade, and going against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. And they did their best to make it, you know, what they thought would be good for Rick. But when Rick was in towards the end... Or some of the brawling outside, it just slowed down so much. And then you could tell that Rick was not there. I mean, at the end, it's a figure four on Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett falls to his shoulders. One, two, three. The only problem is that Ric Flair did the same thing. So technically, (laughs) uh, they both were pinned. Uh, And it was fun at first when Ric Flair was in there and he had energy and he's chopping people and he's going, Take her! Here's a chop for you! Foley! 
you know, and doing that stuff. It was great. It was fun. And then you could tell that the guy was fucking 73. And thank God nothing bad happened. Afterwards, he seemed overwhelmed. He was definitely out of breath. He had a really great, you know, outing, uh, talking about everyone. You know, he had Taker behind him, who was like, you know, just smacking him, telling him he's doing a great job, Brett. Um, all of them uh, really being supportive. Bret Hart was there. Al Snow was there. Santino Morello was there. There was a lot of big wrestlers. I guess Santino's not that big of a wrestler. Whatever. Um, they're, they're showing support. And the whole night was about Rick. He got to go. He got to go on his own terms. Um, I guess to an extent. I did like beforehand uh, when they went backstage and talked to Jeff Jarrett. Jerry answered the door, and then fucking Jerry Lawler was there just talking shit about him and saying that Ric Flair stole it, stole the strut from Jackie Fargo. And it, it was so nice hearing heel Jerry Lawler. And he definitely still has that quality about him. Uh, all in all, there's a lot of good stuff, there's a lot of bad stuff. It's Ric Flair's last match, hopefully. I mean, shit. His first fucking last match was supposed to be Hulk Hogan in 94. He came back. Then it was supposed to be Shawn Michaels. He had the best match you could possibly have for an outing. And then he went to TNA because he had to pay for, like, three different alimonies. And he was out of money. Uh, then he had a match where Jay Lethal beat him with the figure four in their feud. And he kept on going. Then he had a match with Mick Foley. And then he had the last match with Sting. He had a last match technically on the last Nitro against Sting. And this is also his last match. So I, all I'm saying is, because of the end of that match, I don't need to see Ric Flair. But it was really good at the end of it. It was nice seeing also Mike Chioda, who this is his last match apparently. I really wish, I don't know who the fuck the referee was that came out. It would have been great if they got Tommy Young. That would have been like a cherry on the cake, but it was a great presentation. It was awesome. I love seeing Conrad get involved because him and Jared are, you know, our friends, but Jared's been a dick, quote, you know, for the storyline. And he threw, you know, Nux to Andrade, who had to literally put them on Ric Flair's fingers to get the win, to get the figure four. Uh, but at the end of it, Jay Lethal came back out and gave Rick this huge hug. And they went off. But I don't know. It's kind of a uh, bittersweet, Chris, I guess. <sighs> yeah. So Flair went into this with a hurt foot, right? He, he either broke I something. I didn't know that. Either, yeah. Apparently he had a hurt foot going into the match. Meltzer has been talking about it, but he got out of breath. And part of it was the way they started this match. Cause they started the match really hot. Flair slaps the shit out of Jeff Jarrett. Instead of Jeff Jarrett reta- retaliating, he just tags in Lethal, which is like the most shit you could do. And then that's where him and Lethal do the headlock takeovers. He does a headlock takeover on Flair. Flair does like a head scissors out of it. Classic, right? And then Flair hits the headlock takeover on him. And then Lethal gets out of it. <laughs> and immediately uh, he wants Andrade after that, which was funny. Um there was a great spot in this where Jeff Jarrett was asking Karen for her shoe, which is a throwback to like him and uh, God, I, I've met her and she's such a nice lady. She was married to Sto- Deborah, Deborah McMahon, where he used to get her shoe when she was the beauty queen and give him a good old whack in the head. There was just a lot of really fun stuff in this, but there's one spot in this 
where <laughs> Flair and Jarrett meet off in the ring and <laughs> and Double J hits his strut and Rick hits his strut. It was it was great. It sucks that Flair got you know they went thirty minutes. I think they out of all the matches, you probably could have summed a lot of this up more quickly and it would have been a better match, especially knowing that Flair was injured. Um. It sucks that we didn't get like a Charlotte Flair here, though I did hear she got really pissed off because Rick wanted to do a cross body <laughs> in this match. I guess he's been watching a lot of Sting. Um, just good shit. Andrade was great in this fucking match, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I heard this match, you know... It got really weird at the end. Like, Flair looked like he was really out of it. They're trying to give him the brass knucks to do the finish. He's bleeding all over the place. Like, by the time it got to the end of the match, it kind of felt sad. Whereas in the middle, the beginning and the middle of it, it felt like a really great match. And then by the end, it was just kind of sad. Not only knowing it's, it supposedly is going to be Ric Flair's last match. And I would have to say, I don't, after seeing this match, I don't know that anyone would at least anyone that's going to put on a major show wouldn't book Ric Flair again, you know, just, you don't want him to die in the ring. Right. Um, no. Oh, did you hear about the spot that Charlotte turned down? Who was also in the back, by the way, um, along with a lot of wrestlers, including, like I said, triple H and a lot of people, everyone was there for Ric Flair and everyone was there from WWE for uh, SummerSlam, obviously. So there's a lot of crossover, but, he wanted to do, and Andrade was trying to convince him not to, and then told Charlotte what he wanted to do. He wanted to do a fucking crossbody off the top ropes like he used to do. Yeah, that's what I, that. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. He must have seen Sting do it recently and was like, I, I bet I can do that. <laughs> They're like, nah. nah. <laughs> Sting ain't got no pacemaker, homie. <laughs> like, <laughs> calm down. And that was really cool is the testimonials from Sean, from Taker, from Sting from people, you know, all over the wrestling industry and all different promotions throughout the show. It was a really fun show. It just, like you said, it was kind of sad. And it, not so much, it was sad because it was Ric Flair's last match, but it was also sad because uh, towards the end, it was definitely Ric Flair's last match, if that makes sense. Yeah, when, when Jay Lethal uh, just completely wiped out uh the ref with a super kick. I half expected Shawn Michaels to show up and just super kick the shit out of him. That didn't happen. That would have been awesome. It's it. It was a fun ending. The ending could have been better, but like I, I thought that Flair was either hyperventilating or so out of breath that he was like in pain, or he had a concussion. Because at the end of this match, when they're trying to get the brass knucks on. Uh, Flair's hand, like Conrad throws Andrade brass nugs, and he's trying to get it on Rick's hand, and he can't even get Ugh. like his hand into them. It was just like kind of scary and sad, right? Yep. Uh, fun finish. Jeff Jarrett was great. Andrade was great. Not nothing against Lethal, but Jeff and Andrade kind of carried this match. Which I mean, there's a reason why they yep. called us to do this fucking match. But uh, good time. Let's move on to Monday Night Raw. I don't know if I'd call this match a good time. (laughs) 
the the show itself. So was I was good. trying to talk about the whole. Yeah, the the show itself, not not so much uh, the end of it, but he got through it. He was happy with it. He was very emotional. He got to call his last promo that, you know, was more of like a thank you speech, and then him and Jay Lethal went off the air hugging. So, thank God he didn't get hurt. That's all. Conrad, so, Conrad, if you do this again for whatever reason, if Rick can get you to do this again, give like the extra, take. 15 minutes out of this match, keep this under 10 minutes, and give the other times to the good tag teams you have on the card <laughs> or the lucha wrestling you have on the card. No shit. I actually hope that they do do some, you know, he basically, Conrad sold the, uh, or didn't even sell, gave, he bought when he found out there was no, uh, you know, purchase from the WWE for the IP of Jim Crockett Promotions. He purchased it and he gave it to David Crockett. So, they might be doing something in the uh, future, and I hope it's the big, like, all-in style crossover pro. You know, what they did tonight, maybe longer matches, but uh, I don't ever have to see Ric Flair on it, as a, uh, in, in a match, at least. Could you convince Taker to do it and do Taker versus Jeff Jarrett, and they both come out in the trench coats? Cowboy uh, versus Cowboy, Gunslinger versus Gunslinger? Just have awesome. them have it. I want to see Terry Funk against Undertaker. I think Terry's got one more match in him. Come here, you son of a bitch. You got yeah. longevity? I'll show you fucking longevity. If if Rick had one more match in him, Terry's got like five. <laughs> yeah, I almost wanted Lawler a part of it after, you know, him him uh, doing his shit in the backstage uh, vignette thing. Or the backstage promo, I, I should say. Before I mean, before Jeff Jarrett got announced and we didn't know what this was, my uh, friend South was like, it'd be perfect if it was Jerry Lawler. And I was like, yeah, except for we watched that Scott Steiner, Jerry Lawler match not that long ago, and it was bad. Remember that? Yeah. And also Jerry Lawler also died and probably is like, you know, it'd be good if I don't go in there and try to have a match with Jay Lethal. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree. But all right. All the sadness aside, the card the card mostly suffered because they didn't give the matches enough time. Um and that makes me sad because there was some stuff that we probably won't see on there for quite a while. I agree. All right, so Raw started off with Miss Becky Lynch with her arm in a sling coming out. Uh she said that she had basically turned her back on the audience. That she realized that that was not her. That all these, you know, outfits she's been coming in and the attitude she's had essentially wasn't warranted. And that she needs to go back to being the man. But unfortunately, she can't do that right now because she had a separated shoulder uh, in the match with Bianca Belair. And she'll be out for a while. Then call Bianca out. Uh, Bianca was kind of hesitant at first. Uh, but then once they talked back and forth, you know, I think Becky was legit about what she was saying and she put her over and said that she was basically the future and she deserved uh, the win the night before and left the ring. Bianca was, you know, doing a promo, talking about her win against Becky, putting Becky over and talking about the future where she was cut off 
by Bailey, EO, Sky, and Dakota Kai just beating the shit out of Becky Lynch backstage. And when I say Bianca used to be, you know, college track and field, uh, she proved it because she fucking sprinted up the damn ramp, got up there in five seconds, got backstage, and barely caught them helping out Becky get back up. So to add insult to injury and more injury, Becky was assaulted backstage by Bailey's new group and uh, would put in, you know, the the rest of the night, like, you know, later on when EO would go against Bianca in the ring. But I uh, thought this was a really good setup. I liked everything from Becky. I liked everything from Bianca. I liked Bailey's group attacking her and kind of putting her on the shelf even more. Uh, thought all of it was really good. Good opening to Monday Night Raw. Do you think if Vince was still around, he would name Kai and Sky Sky and Kai? <laughs> Kai, Kai and oh Sky. my fucking god! I'm glad he's gone. When it comes to that shit, yeah, he probably would. Uh, no, you know who would suggest it? Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> hey Vince, you know what we should do? No. Ugh. Female Kai and Kai. <laughs> Great. Um, no, I like this segment a lot, and and yeah, you're right, Bianca. Uh, she can run. I love that she had so much dedication to her run because we've seen so many times, even with someone like John Cena, who's like a great athlete, do like the kind of the slow run jog for TV. Yeah, that's not what this was about. <laughs> it actually looked like there was urgency, um, which I think helped the segment. And it sucks Lynch is hurt. I, like I said, I, I'm excited to see what this uh, little group of Bailey um kai and eo i'm not gonna call her eo sky that's never gonna happen so i'm just gonna start calling well, out of all the people to just give a first name to just call her eo if you don't want her to have a last name or don't want her to have her original last name um but yeah it it's gonna be interesting to see what they do like i said it's not what i would would have done with bailey but i have some faith and and the show was pretty good so i'm gonna give it some breathing room and then we would go into a match with uh well no no beforehand they set up that we we're gonna have two three ways and the winners from that would go on to the uh not the main event but the you know end of the night to go against each other to become the number one contender for the U.S. title against Bobby Lashley and they put on a vignette like I said earlier that really went over the history of the U.S. title and its significance uh, towards. The industry, going back to the NWA, going to WCW, going to WWE, and every fucking person that held it, um, the array of wrestlers, they put so much gravitas on the U.S. title. It was nice to see because it sounds like they're going to keep one championship, one world title for both shows, but I feel like Triple H wants the U.S. title to be the big title on Raw, and the Intercontinental title will be the big title on SmackDown, which makes a lot of sense. Instead of like a secondary title, they represent both those shows, but then there's one traveling champion, if you will. Um, so I, I like that. Uh, and the match itself, it was nice seeing Ali out. The Miz had a reason for not being, um, you know, on his feet as well, because two nights before he went against Logan Paul. So he was, he had his ribs taped up. But I think the biggest thing, the ending, um, Mustafa Ali takes up the Miz, goes and does his uh, 
640 onto the Miz, and the Miz immediately, in you could barely tell unless you like go back and watch a bunch of times, like lifts him up after getting the move into AJ Styles, who nails the Styles Clash with Ali on top of the Miz and then rolls up Ali for the three count. Now, yeah, Ali lost, but I don't think this is it for him. The fact that he was involved in this, he was elevated. He looked great in the match. He had a bunch of hope spots, really got the crowd on his side. I think, uh, and I've said this a bunch of times, he has a chance to be like a Ricky Steamboat-style babyface. You know, not so much behind the mic, but like just an efficient wrestler in the ring. Um, And The Miz was good. AJ Styles is AJ Styles. So AJ Styles would advance to the finals at the end of the night. But uh, I thought this was a great match, and I love the package beforehand, Chris. They really made the U.S. title look well, and Vince would never do that. <laughs> he wouldn't do that for his own title with the IC title, for Christ's sakes. Do you think, like, AJ was in the back being like, hey, Ali, you think we can do something cool? Like, you know, kind of like out of nowhere kind of cool? And Miz is like, oh, God. <laughs> Because he basically had to bench press up Mustafa after taking a four, uh, whatever the six, whatever the hell he calls it, basically yeah. rotation, five forties, four fifty, six hundred and four, and then just bench press him off his chest so that AJ could catch him, and then put him in the Styles Clash. Uh, it was that's that's one of the coolest spots I've seen in a long time in WWE. It was a cool ass spot, and AJ winning makes sense. Um, in this match with who was in it. I do like that they put Mustafa in kind of a, uh, I would say probably the match of the night. Really? Um, yep. But a, a really big spot and hopefully they continue to push that character and to go to your Ricky, the dragon steamboat kind of uh, gimmick. Uh, if you want to push him, do it like impact is done with the speedball Mike Bailey. I think mm-hmm. especially if you're going to make the U.S. title a big thing, like give him a run and just have him have really good matches against people like Dolph Ziggler and um, Bobby Roode and just any good wrestler you can have if you if you want to give this guy a push. I think that would be a uh, – he would be an awesome U.S. champion. Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, whoever you want to throw in there. Yep. And uh, then we had Mr. Seth Rollins come out. He was just gloating about taking out Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle's apparent friends, because they've been in a couple of vignettes together. Street Profits came out. They are talking shit. And um, Seth basically was making fun of the fact that, like, you know, they lost. And they keep on losing to the Usos. And, you know, kind of bringing up the fact that it looks like they're about to break up. And, you know, that would go into a challenge for either of them in a match with Seth. And it looked like Angelo was trying to do it, and then Montez kind of stepped in front of him. Uh, The only things I have from this match as notes is that it was like, I think, one of the first punches that fucking Montez Ford nailed Seth was, like, stiff as shit. Um, But, I'm you know, they kept on going, but I'm just saying. And then Montez Ford hit a beautiful crossbody, uh, I think that he tried to go for like a kip up at one point. That didn't really work out, but you know, shit happens in matches. Uh, but you know, inevitably it would be a stomp to Montez Ford, and the win would go to Seth Rollins. And uh, you try to go for a second one. Angelo Dawkins saved him, 
And uh, yeah, it showed more little little uh, showings of like the the break. It seems that's going to happen with the Street Profits. And Rollins got the win, which makes sense. And him and Montez Ford had a good match. Montez Ford was definitely showing off a lot of great qualities in his game as a singles competitor. So all this, I think, was good. Yeah, agreed. Um, I'm not crazy about Rollins' promo here, but I've bitched about that enough. Next, we had Alexa Bliss and Asuka. Uh, They were having a great match, but... And that's the thing. This is smart. When you use a no contest, it's good if you have both. Kind of like when the Major Brothers, like I was talking about, uh, you know, hit the ring, said there was not going to be a loser between Jacob Fatu and uh, Josh Alexander. Bailey, Io Sky, and Dakota Kai hit the ring towards the end of this match and just beat the shit out of everyone. And, uh, you know, we would have the EST come in and, uh, you know, get. Make, even the odds, and it looked like we were even going to have a three-on-three. I'm kind of glad they didn't do that because I'm sick of that fucking model. So instead, you know, it just there was tension. But if we do have a three-on-three match between these ladies, that would be a lot of fucking fun. They're all great. And this would kind of sh- start the, uh, the ending when it came to Io Shirai. You know, basically Bianca called out any of the three of them and Io Shirai said that she's down, and they would have a match later on. But good stuff. Yeah, Once this uh, this whole run-in beatdown thing that they were doing pretty much throughout the entire night was kind of putting the women's division on notice to some extent. Yep. Um, even going into the later match, and I like that because it kind of had like an NWO-type feel to it. Like, we're just going to show up and call shit. <laughs> Especially with EO and, and Dakota, well, Dakota being rehired and EO never being on the main roster and Bailey being gone for so long, it kind of does have this feel of like, you you guys all forgot about us, basically. So I, I hope they play that going forward. Absolutely. All right, next match that we would have, uh, Tommaso Ciampa cut a great promo with the Miz in the backstage talking about the match he was going to have. And they gave him mic time. He was able to do a uh, Tommaso Ciampa, if you will, style promo. And then the three way, three people that are also highlighting this Chad Gable. Love Chad Gable, Dolph Ziggler, love Dolph Ziggler and Tommaso Ciampa. And, um, God, uh, a lot of the, uh, in ring, like wrestling wrestling. I mean, you have an Olympian and you have uh, the the person that holds the most records at Penn State with Chad Gable and Dolph Ziggler, and they were fucking going at it. And, I mean, all three guys look great. This was also a, a, a lot of fun. Nothing crazy towards the end, but uh, Ciampa would get the uh, fairy tale ending and get the win. And it would be Ciampa against AJ Styles at the end of the night to find out the number one contender for the U.S. title. And obviously, this was all setting up. The whole night was pretty much setting up like, Ciampa, I like him. So I don't give a fuck what Vince thinks. He's going to be a main profile person. So, and I have no problem with that. Triple H knows what the fuck to do, I feel. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with it at all. Um, 
this match I thought could have been a little better. But uh not not that anything in it was necessarily bad. It wasn't as good as the AJ Styles match earlier in the night, and which had Gable and Ziggler being in there, I thought it would have been a little better. I feel ya. All right, Edge came out. He cut a great babyface promo. Um, basically, he's not a jerk anymore, and uh, he needs to take out the uh, the Judgment Day. That was pretty much it. He wasn't attacked or anything like that. It was just short and sweet. And then we had a match with Bel Air and Io Sky. They had an awesome match, and Bel Air got the win. Oh, no, no, no. That's right. It was no contest because, once again, uh, we had uh, Dakota Kai and Bailey come out. And start beating the shit out of, which is good because EO didn't get the loss. It puts more in the storyline. They beat up Bianca, but then who gets her back? The people that she had their back. So we have two of the other main players, Asuka and Bliss, come out and even the odds. Um, So, yeah, they were just brawling. But, you know, we complained about WWE with no contests. And there were two in here, but... I think it actually worked out and made sense. Am I am I crazy for thinking that, Chris? No, in the in this usage of no contest, I think it it worked perfectly fine. Um, especially because they're getting over one. They they basically told us we're getting a tag tournament for the women's titles, right? So mm-hmm. you these some versions of these groups are going to be a part of it, and also it, it effectively makes Bailey the biggest shit bag. Yep. <laughs> As, as a heel women's wrestler coming back in um, by attacking all of these people. So yeah, in, in this sense, it didn't really matter. I would have maybe let Oscar and Alexa go a little longer before the run in. Um, but yeah, I mean, of course Bailey was going to come out and jump Bianca based on what we saw earlier in the night. So just good stuff, man. That women's division on raw. And the SmackDown one, we'll, we'll get to the gauntlet match. They look a hell of a lot more flourished than they did beforehand. So, um, I mean, all these people, besides Dakota, who I, ne- I don't think ever got the, uh, the world championship in NXT, but Io Shirai, past NXT champion. Bailey's won every fucking championship, period. Um, and then Bianca, the current champion. Asuka, past champion on every fucking platform. Alexa Bliss, past champion, Raw and SmackDown several times over. They have a lot of heavy hitters. So it's like, yes, Becky's gone. She'll be gone for a little while, but we still have all these great women and more uh, in the women's division. Like Triple H revitalized that in one night for Raw. Yeah. Well, even on SmackDown as well, which we'll, we'll get into. And then also there's always the queen waiting in the wings. Exactly. Right? And and Rhonda is technically, I guess, going to be nursing an injury. We're just going to say that they're going to keep her off for a while. But like I like I was alluding to earlier, uh, they stacked this division in one night, which is great. Because yep. it's something we've complained about. Um, there's a lot of really good matchups now, especially if they have Naomi and Sasha coming back. Yep. All right. So we had Ciampa. Going against AJ Styles. Booker T was on commentary randomly, but it was a lot of fun. But he also talked about the importance of the U.S. belt. So, I mean, they were really trying as hard as they could to put the U.S. belt on a pedestal. And uh, T 
these two guys had a fucking great match. Tomas Ciampa and fucking AJ Styles are both great. AJ Styles is AJ Styles, but uh, to give Ciampa this win, it was the biggest win of his career. Um, there was one time, though, that Styles did the fucking suplex into the corner, and Tomas Ciampa almost fall, fell on his fucking head. That scared the shit out of me. Luckily, nothing happened from that. But it would win with Miz saved Ciampa. He put his like foot on the rope. I remember that. Uh, and that helped out uh, Ciampa going forward. Uh, but then, you know, AJ Styles went to go deal with Miz. When he came inside, Ciampa got him with the DDT. One, two, three. Beat AJ Styles. No more contender against Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley commented, you know, and basically put over Ciampa, but said that he was going to destroy him, which is intelligent. I, you know, this was all good, man. This is all good storytelling. So kudos to everyone. Yeah, now AJ Styles is pissed off at The Miz, and you can separate those two things. You can do a tag match, but the setup would be Miz versus AJ, right? And uh, Tommaso versus Bobby Lashley, and those both should be fun matches. I'm excited to see what Lashley is going to be able to do with Tommaso. I think that'll be I'll be interesting for both of them. Because that Braun Breaker match that Tommaso had, I think it'll be very similar to that, but that was a really, really good match. That's like one of the best NXT matches I've seen in a long ass time. And that's what, another thing I'll say also. Also, great, great selling. I mean, it's AJ Styles, but just great selling from selling his injuries from the match previous. Uh, but the refs and the announcers, you can tell that they have restraints off them, you know, and the announcers. Even even Michael Cole, he seems so fucking last night on SmackDown and also on SummerSlam. Like it wasn't he had to just like advertise everything a certain way. Like he was much more free with his communication. And they're talking and saying who the fucking referees are again. Uh, Triple H has already said that certain terms that weren't able to be used beforehand. That's not going to happen anymore. And, you know, the referee in this match. Like, he was fucking bitching out Miz at one point, and it was much more believable. So it's like, I like that. Give the refs, you know, their balls back. Tell us who the fuck they are, and let the announcers be able to speak more, you know, fluidly and realistically. It's great. Yes. Yeah. The commentary is going to get a lot better. Because they're going to have to change their what they're used to as well. And I think they're slowly getting into it. But like when Pat's back on SmackDown with no one reining him in, <laughs> that's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, but yeah I, yeah, I agree with you. And in, in, in pointing out the refs, the refs can be a very critical part to a story, like making them personalities. So when you see someone like Dave Hebner take a bump, or little Nate like fly out of the ring accidentally when Mark Henry bumps into him or something, but it can be a big part of the story. So uh, it's something that outside of Audrey uh, or is it Audrey or Aubrey, uh, Audrey Edwards in, in uh, AEW that they don't even do a good job with or impact. They don't really do a good job with it either. So if Triple H is taking like things that he can do better than those companies, that's one of them. Absolutely. All right. Um, also, I just want to also say that 
Uh, AJ won for an, a, ph- a phenomenal forearm. I just remember this. And Ciampa did his knee right to fucking AJ's face. You can, you can, Kenny's number one, but I think Ciampa over Buddy Murphy and a lot of other people, Seth Rollins has some of the best knees in wrestling. They look like they fucking devastate someone every time he does it. Seth looked like shit to me. I'm so glad he stopped doing that ripcord knee because it just looked very terrible. Uh, yeah. Buddy, buddies is good. Tommaso's is good. Kenny has. I think maybe Kenny's are just stiff as shit. He doesn't hit him in the head. He just hits it really high in the chest. <laughs> or basically goes right across their cheekbone and face. Looks yeah. like it fucking sucks. And he wears those kick pads too, so you get like that good thud sound when he does it. Yep. The Bucks have the worst knees of all time, though. <laughs> Double V trigger thing that always looks like garbage. For a team that has so many cool tag moves, why did they decide? I mean, I know that it's like a shout out to Kenny, but like maybe just retire that one. <sighs> that was funny. All right. Uh, another great tag team along with the Young Bucks. The Usos went against the Mysterios. This is a good match, but it would break down with. Obviously, uh, Judgment Day coming out, uh, attacking the Mysterios, Edge coming to help them out. Um, you know, basically, I want to say it's another no contest. Um, let me see. Let me get to the end. No, 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 that's right. They distracted it, and the Usos won. Then they attacked, and Usos got the fuck out of there. It's not their problem anymore. Edge comes to the ring, helps out the Mysterios, but at one point, he was going to go spear Rhea Ripley, and she grabbed Dominic and put him right the fuck in front of her. So Edge spears Dominic, and Ray's like, what the fuck, man? Past tag team, you know, partner, buddies, and then Edge doesn't even give a shit. He goes after Judgment Day, who's trying to get out of there, and runs after him, and Ray's, like, pretty pissed off. His son just got speared. So I thought it was a very interesting way to go off air. Yeah, and it was also nice to see Rhea be on TV screen, even if she's injured. Like a good way of using her without her having to do anything, really. Yep. Um, but yeah, I guess was that set up Edge versus Rey Mysterio? It could. I mean, it's just going to be Finn Balor doing a run-in. Pretty um, much. <laughs> but uh, what you were talking about earlier, what, what when you were alluding to Alvarez, like having a dark Dominic or him going to that group, that's not the worst idea. I could, I could see that working. Um, yeah, I don't know what that really means for Rey Mysterio, but they haven't had anything for him to do in a while, so outside of just losing tag matches. All right, well, let's travel over to AEW. Talk about Wednesday night. AEW Dynamite started off with a match that... Maybe I just need to give like some time to find out what happens before I just like start wiling out. But I was so worried in this fucking match, Jay Lethal was going to lose to Orange Cassidy, and I like Orange Cassidy. I want to like Orange Cassidy, but I did not want to see him beat Jay Lethal, and did not help with that fucking little rascal spot where you know <laughs> you got Saddam Singh <laughs> with Sanjay Dutt out. On the uh, you know the the entrance way, and then comes out basically Trent on top of Chucky e. Taylor. 
that type of shit, I just, I can't do it, man. I'm just like, what the fuck? Am I just becoming a prude, Chris? No, I mean, I, this is very, I can't remember who said this, but it's like, this is like Shakara versus Ring of Honor, and that's exactly what it was, because Jay Lethal came out and did a bunch of chain wrestling, and did like zero spots, and then Orange Cassidy did a bunch of fucking spots. <laughs> Even his funny spots. So it's like they built the match that way. I think Jay Lethal winning makes sense here, but it's not like Jay Lethal's been on a long winning streak anyway. So if Orange Cassidy would have won here, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. I have more of a problem with the way Jay Lethal's been booked in general. Um, yeah. But I mean, that's not necessarily Orange Cassidy's fault. Uh, I do know that they put Orange Cassidy in a lot of fucking matches since he had that match with Will Ospreay. It's like, oh, this guy can do stuff that's not comedy stuff, but he can also do the comedy stuff. Well, it seems like him and the best friends are going to be positioned for this uh, uh, triple tag team championship competition. So maybe we'll see them go for that gold. But uh, the next thing that happened was probably my favorite angle of this week, honestly. I didn't think they were going to do it this soon. But we had the Undisputed Elite in the ring. Uh, Adam Cole is doing story time and, you know, saying that him and Kyle, technically, they'll be they'll be ready soon, but they're still on the shelf. Bobby Fish is back. And uh, when they get to 100%, you know, shit's going to get crazy. But talking about, you know, the, uh, the trio championship, Cole said, you know, if you're if if. Kenny's not here, and I can't go, and whatchamacallit, Kyle can't go, and you don't want uh, Bobby Fish, you know, call him out for it. You guys can't do this. So, basically, there's that. And, you know, he was like, well, I shouldn't say that. He said, you won't be physically capable capable of being in the uh, tournament. And then out of nowhere, Kyle takes out one of them. I think he took out uh, Nick. And then Bobby takes out Matt and they start beating the shit out of them and Adam Cole stomping them. And then of course Adam page comes out and helps out the bucks and, you know, got them back up on their feet while they're selling their, their, you know, getting the shit knocked out of them. And I guess it's going to be hangman page and the bucks in this tournament. So I guess the bucks are baby face again. And the Undisputed Elite is basically the Undisputed Era, but they can't call it that. Mm, I, I don't think it's going to be Hangman in the Bucks. I still think it's going to be Kenny. I feel like they're going to ask Hangman officially to do this, and he's going to be like, I still remember when you guys fucked me over. <laughs> like, Just because I'm a nice guy doesn't mean I want to be your tag partners. Definitely could be. All right, we had uh, John Moxley in a promo, and he basically said he doesn't care who wins between Chris Jericho and Willie Uta, that even if it's his, uh, you know, someone on his side, when he gets in the ring, basically he just sees red, and he will take them out and retain the championship. And I think I might have messaged you that John Moxley, to me, in a lot of ways, when he does these promos, he comes off so fucking intense that it's almost like a Randy Savage in a way where you really think that there's a good chance this guy's a little bit off in the head and that he is that violent, but you don't know, you know, is it, yeah. is it a work? Is it a shoot? You don't know. 
Yeah, it's very much that old school style of promo. Um, Savage is is a, a good example. I would I would say even more like pissed off Terry Funk, like you took my lawler, you son of a bitch, kind of promo. But uh, this was amazing. Moxley's been on fire, and I I, I think that. I think it was Alvarez that was like, I don't know that C like if the plans would have worked and you did this run the summer of punk, I don't know that punk would have been at the same level that Moxley has been at since getting that interim title. No, he's maybe, been great. Maybe the matches would have been better, but like Moxley's kind of been in another world right now with his promos and just how fucking crazy he's been. And it, it kind of makes you wonder who's going to topple him. <laughs> Really? Uh, maybe Punk might take that long if he's ready for uh, All In in Chicago. Which, honestly, Chris, I don't know if he will be because unless he was selling some bullshit at Comic-Con, he was limping, he had a brace on, uh, he was asked to interview about it, and he's basically like, you know, pins and needles on his on his foot still if he puts too much weight on it. But, you know, basically that's life. So I have no idea if I'm, I'm assuming they're hoping that Punk will be OK by all in, because if not, why wouldn't you build Chris Jericho and John Moxley for all in? And not Quake on the Lake. <laughs> Should be fun, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and him and him and Mox. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It. it Hopefully Punk's ready, but I don't necessarily want to see him win the title in Chicago. If you're going to do that match, I would have Moxley fucking win the thing. By hook or crook. Build, by, by crook. Let, let, let Punk chase it a little bit. Agreed. All right, so we had uh, Thunderstorm going against Britt Baker's haters. Uh, <laughs> I, that's, what I, that's what I gave them for a name. Um <laughs> But this was a good match, man. Uh, all the women were there to show off. Uh, basically, Thunder Rosa, she was getting her ass kicked for a majority of the match. Britt and Jamie both working on her. Great hot tag, finally, to uh, to uh, Tony Storm. Tony Storm did her hip attack, like, fucking two times a piece to both ladies in the corners. Looked like she completely knocked them unconscious. But Jamie Hader would end up winning... And getting the win over, you know, Miss Tony Storm, and just the 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 facial expression on her face was great. Um, but yeah, so there's more of that. I guess we're gonna get more uh, Britt Baker and uh, Thunder Rosa in the future. That that's what they're going back in that direction. I'm assuming. Yeah. Do you have Jamie Hader win the title? Wouldn't it be awesome if that happened? It'd be great. Everyone's bitching about Thunder's title run anyways. Put it on Jamie and just start the Britt Baker-Jamie Hater feud. I love Britt's always been such an asshole to Jamie Hater. She gets a win here, and Britt gives her like the biggest hug, and Jamie Hater sellies so hard in the middle of the ring over Thunder – or not Thunder Rosa, but uh, Tony Storm. Like gets on top of her shit-talking like – she just murdered her Stone Cold Steve Austin style. It would be great. She gets this first win. She wins the title. Britt's just like this fucking because they've been building this story for a long time. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I don't know. I, I'm not going to say that's going to happen, but 
I would I would probably do that. I like Jamie Hader a lot. So um, more Britt Baker and Jamie Hader versus each other. I'm cool with that. And if Thunder Rosa continues to hold the title, they haven't really built up her next opponent because they've really been focused on the uh, is it the TBS title. Yeah, they've been more focused on that title than their heavyweight title and doing a lot of these tag matches, which I think is a little problematic, but shaking things up. If you want to do something crazy, have Jamie Hader do this and then have her feud with Britt. I could see that. I think that's a good idea. Um, we would have Taz come on the screen and let everyone know that Team Taz is done. It is over. He's hoping the best of his son and the two other people, and he thinks that they will do well. But, you know, the, the group itself is done. And this would bring out Powerhouse Hobbs in a match against Friend Jones. I mean, he just murdered this guy. Didn't really matter. Um Ren Jones was. They didn't have to tell us because it was just a murder victim. And then absolute Ricky Starks hit the ring. Uh, big ovation. People were cheering for him, but he was very overzealous and got laid the fuck out by Hobbs once again. So this is just promoting more of a feud between the two of them. And I am looking forward to that. I think that's going to be money. So I liked all of this. Uh, Team Taz, I think, was done, Chris. And good, uh, good squash match for Hobbs. And I don't think Stark should have gotten the better of the heel. I think it was smart having him think that he could and then getting humbled a bit. So, Yeah. Um, I would put Powerhouse Hobbs on a long winning streak and then that be the guy that beats Wardlow. Because he looks like a million bucks and I like to see two big men slapping meat. Two big men slapping meat. Not to take anything away from Ricky Starks. I mean, there's tons of stuff that you can do with him, but uh, I would get him out of this equation pretty quickly, and then that be your buildup is is Hobbs versus Wardlow. Yep, I think you're right. All right, we had a pre-tape promo. Darby Allen. Uh, God, I really hope he didn't actually tattoo himself because it would just be such a pointless tattoo, especially like the quality of it. It looked like he wrote it in pen, but we heard the uh, ink gun the whole entire time and. Talking about the coffin match that he's going to have with Brody King and how people underestimate him and he could take a lot of pain, stuff like that. Well, I do know, and at least it was a good-looking tattoo, Brody Lee uh, answered that, or Brody Lee, sorry, late great Brody Lee is not who I'm talking about. Brody King uh, answered uh, Darby Allen with a new tattoo he has on his wrist. Uh, within all the other ones, it's a grave that says, Here Lies Darby Allen. So, uh yeah, tattoo wars happening. All right, I am really legitimately looking forward to this, but the tattoo that Darby, if he really did it himself, that he put on the inside of his hand, yeah, whatever. Tomato tamale. <laughs> he probably figures that'll be easy to just scrape off the skin eventually. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Or something, I have no idea. Uh, yeah, Brody went with the... Uh, here lies Darby Allen actual tattoo. So hope, like, I mean, hopefully he wins that match, right? Because <laughs> otherwise, um, another thing about that that tattoo that Brody King got, does he have like some kind of demented Dumbo <laughs> below it? Because I can only see like what I think is an elephant ear. <laughs> Just yeah, it looks similar to the. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I mean, I guess a cool segment. It's really hard to take Darby Allen seriously because he loses every big match they put him in. Ugh. They definitely need to change that. I agree. All right. Well, Miro cut a promo uh, regarding the House of Black and promising that he'll be revealing himself uh, soon. Then we had a match with Matt Hardy and Christian Cage. The reason I'm laughing is because someone had a sign. It was probably my favorite sign. I also saw a sign during the Britt Baker match that said, will you marry me? Or Britt Baker, I want to have your baby. That was pretty funny. Uh, but the sign in this one was, I played this match in WWE No Mercy. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait till there's like one fan that starts following them around with Matt Hardy 2.0 facts. (laughs) That would be great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah! (laughs) Uh, this match was, um, okay. Matt tried his best. Matt looked so like, pain. Yeah, he looked like he was hurting. So it, early in the night, we had Tony again, you know, talking to <laughs> Christian, and Christian's talking about how he would never get that personal, like bringing up his divorce, uh, even though obviously he did get really personal. Uh, <laughs> and Jungle Boy uh, start- decides. Hold on. <laughs> he starts it out by saying, You were raised by shitty people. I would never get that personal. <laughs> Yeah, my God. Uh, And then we had, basically, I don't even think Jungle Boy gave a shit about Tony because he was about to fucking nail both of their asses with an SUV and he got thrown out of the arena. Well, he made his way back into the arena during Christian's match with Matt Hardy and uh, fucking Christian got the hell out of there. So once again, I don't know what's exactly happening, but uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, still we haven't really seen much interaction between Christian and Luchasaurus. He better be turning on fucking Jungle Boy or all that was pointless. Yeah, you have to assume that's where they're going. And sometimes the most obvious route is the right route. Um, All of this was fine. Christian's promos have been fucking great. They're pretty funny. I like... uh, I, I, I don't assume that they're going to have the Christian is a pussy shirt for sale <laughs> anywhere <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> Thank God I work, work at a t-shirt printing company. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I like this version of a Jungle Boy and you know him having to go through Luchasaurus to get to Christian. I think that's a fun storyline and hopefully is the thing that elevates him to the next level. The fact that I he agree. tried to murder a man. And just only got escorted out by security. I've been kicked out of Applebee's for less. I'm just saying. <laughs> Damn, dude. What did you do? <laughs> yeah, Long story. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, wouldn't they normally arrest the person in this situation? Probably. I like that Tony Schiavone was pissed off about it, though. I thought that was a fun uh, Tony Schiavone-ism. So the next big thing, after Mr. Tony decided to get a little angry, Shivani-isms, um, Ethan Page came out, and he's not happy with his current situation. He cut a scathing promo on the crowd, just going off on him. Great heel promo. I love Ethan Page. I want him to see him elevated. It looks like he's done with Scorpio Sky and Dan Lambert. 
And Mr. Stokely Hathaway came out, who was scouting him beforehand, and gave him his card. So once again, we have Lee Moriarty and now Ethan Page that it looks like Stokely is trying to make his own Heenan family. So already got a bunch of great female wrestlers involved. So we'll see how uh, where this goes. But in real life, these guys are best friends. So great heel manager, great heel wrestler working together. I think this is a big win. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I like that Stokely Hathaway is slowly building this dominant group, right, of wrestlers. But uh, we're not going to get any storyline on why they're all leaving Dan Lambert. (laughs) Yeah, what the fuck's up with that? I mean, I'm assuming that his contract's just up, but you couldn't have found a way to write this off TV somehow. I don't know. No idea. Um, we had uh, some of the uh, Jericho Appreciation Society, Angela Parker, Matt Menard, and Anna Jay talking. And Anna Jay is now tough. She's really proving it. And she choked out a security guard. No, this is believable to me, just to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, maybe next time she's in a segment with Daddy Magic, she lets Daddy Magic talk. No, it gets my nipples hot. <laughs> this, uh, I can't remember who said it on a podcast, but they were like, she seems like a nice person who's trying to act aggressive, which is how this came off. But she's in there with some good good promos. Jericho maybe can help that out a little bit. We'll see. I just, I, I never have gotten the obsession with Anna Jay in general as a performer. Yep. All right. Well, the next match, <laughs> the acclaim going against a gun club in a dumpster match. And, uh, of course, the, so we had the ass boys come out. The acclaim comes out right behind them, attacks them, and their father beats the shit out of them uh, and then decided to do their rapping. Uh, the, the biggest thing, obviously, was, you know, Max Caster saying, no filter. We ain't Instagram. We'll make the ass boys retire like Vince McMahon. Oh! Audience goes crazy. Um, I don't know how many times Jim Ross used the uh, term bowling shoe ugly, but, I mean, it was a fucking crazy-ass match. My, my whole thing is, all right, so they have a good match back and forth, and it's all supposed to get to the spot that happened in, what, 1998, where... The New Age Outlaws drew Terry Funk and Cactus Jack in the dumpster after they beat them. They rope the, uh, you know, the dumpster itself and then throw it off the stage. And people were freaking out. Honestly, Sonny back then did a great job really selling, like, you know, being so scared. And they couldn't get them out. And they had to, like, get, you know, and, and people are coming out, like, you know, Undertaker and scolding fucking Billy Gunn. Like, what the hell is the matter with you? Like, it was a big deal. So they do it on this, but the baby faces are doing it against the heels. They already took out Billy Gunn. He's done. And they throw them off. And I got really nervous because the ropes did not fucking support, you know, it came open. So before it falls out, a box or something, you know, but I see the color just falls out and looks like it fucking falls on top of it. Thank God it wasn't actually one of the guns. And then they're celebrating. The audience is just celebrating afterwards. I'm like, uh, I don't think you guys under, understood the intention of this spot 
when they originally did it back in 1998. So cool recreation, I guess. I love all the guys involved in this, but I thought it was kind of stupid. So I heard that they tried to do this as safely as possible, and this is a spot that they practiced multiple times throughout the day leading into the match, and there was harnesses inside. Oh. But it still did not go as planned because the dumpster lid came open, which was an unexpected adventure, which basically leads to maybe don't put people inside of a square thing that has an opening on it and throw them off a stage. seems like a bad idea. Uh, there was one great quote in this where Taz was like, hey, JR, you don't see very many of these matches. And JR is like, I could think of like one or two reasons why you why you don't. <laughs> Meaning <laughs> Mick, and, <clears throat> Mick and Terry, because Terry, Terry like broke his ass cheek getting dumped into an empty thing and then just got tumble dick whipped off the stage, basically. Um yeah, and like I said, the original intention, Chris, was to make that spot look, you know, Vince comes out. He's like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? They stopped the whole show. Like, it went too far. You could have killed them. Um, this, it was like, yeah, we fucking did it, bitches. And everyone was, like, cheering for it. It's like, no, that you guys could have used that as the opposite, where the ass boys throw out Max Caster, and everyone's worried about them being injured. Tony comes out, and they recreate it. More so how, I don't know, uh, that like, was really dangerous for no reason. Yeah, maybe with the idea. Blush, Chris. Hey, can you hear me oh, now? I hear you now. Yep. Okay. Yeah, maybe the, the idea was this is the revenge on the dastardly New Age outlaws, I guess, years and years later. <laughs> But I, I agree. It makes more sense if you have the ass boys toss them. Oh, well. Uh, last match. Wheeler Yuta, Chris Jericho. Um, good match. Lots of uh, screwy shit, like you would think. Um, but I love seeing Chris Jericho do the lion tamer and take his knee and dig it into Yuta's head. and. Uh, he tapped out from it, and then, you know, we had a showdown a little bit with John Moxley and Chris Jericho before he ran the fuck off, but this is, uh, this is good. I thought this was a good match. I thought it showed off Willie Yuta once again, and I'm sure Chris Jericho was like, all right, go out, you know, we'll figure it out. We're going to have a good match, and you just do your your steamboat spots and everything else, your fucking chain wrestling. I'll just try to do whatever and make myself look like I'm the lined uh, heart, which is what I think Malx is going for. But I like this. Good stuff. Jericho took like four or five German suplexes in a row, and then at the very end of it, put him in the first walls of Jericho. For Willer Yuta, and I thought that was kind of a cool spot. Like it was like a desperation moment, and he caught Willer off guard because he had taken so many suplexes that Wheeler kind of thought he was done. Which I thought was a fun storyline because Regal's on commentary telling you it's like young Yuta shouldn't get so overconfident. Um, and they played that into the storyline. And then also Regal putting over the Lion Tamer versus the walls of Jericho and the difference in it. 
I thought was really, really good. This was a fun match and my favorite thing on the show, especially seeing they had been yelling about Chris Jericho should put the fucking lion tamer. When he's like the pain maker, he should be doing lion, ta- lion tamer because it just looks so much more vicious um, than just a normal Boston crab. But uh, yeah, this was great. I like this a lot. I'm looking forward to seeing Jericho versus Boxley again. All right, let's go over the shows from last night. I thought it was a really good dynamite. I thought all the shows this week were really good that I watched. It's very happy. I'm very happy for being able to say that. Uh, but last night on SmackDown, what were you gonna say? I'm very happy as well. But can we can we not double stack pay per views anymore, please? Please, please, Jesus. Oh my God, I agree with you, man. But last night would start out. Here's a great way to use Pat McAfee. He's already gotten over. Everyone already loves him. But he is a football star, so what does Triple H have him do? Do one of those John Madden fucking things with the circles over the match and make fun of the fact that he kicked Corbin right in the balls. It was awesome. And then Corbin comes out because Ricochet makes fun of him in the back. And Corbin's like, I'll beat your ass. And Ricochet says, all right, let's do this. They have a match. Holy shit. Ricochet pins Corbin. At the end, what happens? McAfee's throwing footballs to fucking uh, to Ricochet and then starts throwing foam footballs to the audience members. Thought it was all great. Just uh, very smart, actually. And, of course, McAfee got his little pencil flip tribute to Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning in there. And, uh, yeah, good way to start off everything. Now, didn't Kurt Henning also get one of the drawing gimmicks at some point when he was on commentary? What do you mean? Like one of the yellow. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Because so that might be another like, little uh, nod. Yeah. <laughs> but this was great. The next thing we need is uh, Pat kicking a ball to himself, like punting it and then running to receive it on the other end. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, I love I love all of this. Pat's it's someone that was so negative of him coming in to begin with. He me too completely turn me around <laughs> he's fucking great yeah he absolutely is um all right uh we had bloodline showing up oh my god i'll just put all this together so we had throughout the whole entire night bloodline gets there they go to their normal spot it's you know there's no uh wise man Paul Heyman got destroyed, so it's just Roman and the Usos. But, of course, the, the fourth Us, quote-unquote, Sami Zayn comes, knocks on the door. Uh, Usos tell him, basically, Roman's not available right now. And then he's like, all right, well, can I do something for the tribal chief? They're like, yeah, yeah, go to the truck and uh, tell them to make sure that they have, like, you know, all the focus on Roman when we come out later. And so, like... You know, Sammy's kind of aggravated, but he's like, all right, I'll do it. Comes back. Oh, Roman's not ready. So throughout the whole entire night, basically, Sammy was trying to talk to Roman Reigns, and Roman was not giving him the time of day. So I thought that was all pretty fucking funny. Yeah. And now I actually believe we might get a payoff with Sami Zayn in the storyline. Before, I just thought it was going to be a continuous joke for forever. I wonder if this is like going to end up with Sammy basically coming down to the ring and Roman getting fed up, 
him getting the beat down and then this kind of translating him back into a baby face. I, I hope so. I would love to see Sammy hit Roman with a hell of a kick. All right, so next we had Shinsuke Nakamura come out. Of course, Shinsuke's out. Fucking Pat McAfee's going crazy on top of the desk, dancing and shit. And then Shinsuke goes... Isn't it great when he does that? He gets on the table, him and Shinsuke lock eyes like they're lovers. You know? (laughs) So amazing. All right. But Nock went against Ludwig Kaiser. It's a really good match. I was I saw more of Shinsuke than I've seen in a long time as far as, you know, having a back and forth match. And this whole match is if Shinsuke wins, he's gonna have a match with Gunther. He just has to get through Ludwig uh, Kaiser, who's already been getting just pummeled by, you know, Gunther for losing and even winning, but gloating about it afterwards like he was a badass. So Shinsuke ends up winning. They had a good match, and now it will be Gunther against Shinsuke for the IC belt. This is basically his, uh, uh, what, what the hell? I can't think of the wording, but Shinsuke lost to Gunther, so this is his, uh, rematch. His mat- there you go, rematch. How the fuck did I forget that? Uh, but I think this kind of shows that I don't know if Paul or Triple H, I should say, is going to be doing instant rematches. Like, you have to work for it to get that. So if that's the case, good shit. And if we can get a really good Gunther, Shinsuke Nakamura, hard hitting match. Uh, fuck. Yeah. And I know, and I'm assuming, I don't remember if they said, maybe, you know, Chris, this is going to be at the, uh, the, the British, um, pay-per-view next month. I, I would think so. Um, I don't remember them actually announcing it, but I would assume that that is the case. Also, well, Gunther's a big international star, so he's more over over there than he is over here. So I would assume. Yeah, I, one of the interesting takeaways from this is: is this going to be Nakamura's swan song because he still hasn't re-signed with them? What I want to know from you is. If it is, regardless, do you think that Triple H will let them have a Nakamura versus fucking Walter match? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I I would hope so. Especially being in the UK, I would assume that that's going to be like a 15-minute hard-hitting banger, like they've done in the past with... uh, Well, um, let's see. What was it? Cesaro and Walter? Something of that level? I would assume so. Or at least hard-hitting, like, uh, some of the great matches that we saw with Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, you know? Yeah, hopefully not that hard-hitting. Those guys are trying to kill each other. Um, <laughs> no, no, all joking aside, yeah, some, something to that extent. Um, but yeah, it, I wonder if it changes anything that Triple H is in charge with Nakamura, because last we heard, uh, he had not re-signed any contract and was talking about wanting to go back to New Japan to finish out his career. And if that's the case, I have no issue with that. It's whatever Nock wants to do, but I'm sure Triple H is like, you know, trying to give him a reason to stay along with WWE. So more so than he would have if uh, Vince was involved with it. 
All right, next. We had uh, Liv Morgan come out. She cut a promo. It was fine. Uh, and then, who really saved her, honestly? Um, Sonya Deville came out, made fun of Morgan, said that basically she doesn't just have to worry about the baddest one on the planet, kind of set up the gauntlet match and started it off. So she went against Aaliyah. She beat her with the devil's advocate. Then we have Raquel Gonzalez come out. And, uh, or Raquel Rodriguez. God damn it. I'm never going to get used to this new fake ass name. Uh, but she eliminated her. Then Shotzi came out. Good seeing her. They had a really good back and forth. She beat Shotzi, though, eventually. Sile came out. Had a good showing. She beat her. Natalia came out. And then she, you know, almost beat her. But Raquel got it over her. But then Shayna Baszler was the last person. And she went out and uh, finally took out Raquel and won the number one contender. And just, like, the stare that fucking Shayna Baszler gave Liv Morgan, I was, I was like, legitimately, like, you made a terrible choice because this is one of your options and she's going to kill you. And what I'm hoping is Chris, you have them go against each other. You have Shayna pick up the title and then you have Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler going at it for the title. I, yeah, that, I mean, that's the match everyone's wanted for a long time. Triple H gets in charge. He's like, we're going to make it happen for you guys. God damn it. <laughs> so I hope that's where they're going with this. Uh, otherwise, I want to see Shayna bite her neck and become a vampire again, just for my own interest. <laughs> I forgot you did that. Fucking Vince. We're going to have your eyeball come out and you're going to bite her neck. You're a vampire. <laughs> you're a vampire now. Now that you're back in the UK, damn it. <laughs> you're a wizard, Harry. Wait, wrong person. Never mind. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Speaking uh, of Jericho, Jericho talking about the brilliance of Vince, um, even after all this, was pretty funny. <laughs> like recently, did you did you hear any of this? No, I did, and he's unabashed about it. He's like, and the thing is, like, I, I feel like everyone expects, like, same thing with like Mark Henry, The Big Show. Since they went to AEW, they hate Vince or Christian or whoever, and like. Chris Jericho has been like, look, it didn't work out. Yeah, I've had animosity with Vince before in the past, but like, look at all he's done for fucking pro wrestling, you know? And he might have been sticking up. I know a lot of people gave him flack for sticking up for Vince when that first initial report came out because obviously I don't think he knew the hailstorm that was going to happen. But, I mean, you can think how you want about Vince, and it makes sense. I get it. But to kind of discredit him for everything he's done for pro wrestling itself and popularizing it, I mean, is just ignorant, you know? Yeah, well, right. But the way that Jericho was talking about it, he was like, he's just a genius mind when Jericho fucking went off the rails about the Kevin Owens situation and basically quit the company and wouldn't work there again. So... Uh. <laughs> There is that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was that that was that was the last thing that was all right. Fuck it. But at, at, the thing is, I don't know if it was Sean's influence, but they convinced Vince 
that they deserved the you know the the title uh, within their storyline because they had the biggest storyline with Sean and uh, Chris Jericho in the late two thousands, and um, they kind of like put it to him. So maybe Chris thought that he still had that same level, but I agree with Chris that they should have had. There was no reason to put the title on Goldberg. There was none. They were the biggest storyline. It was Kevin and it was Chris. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that would I would dial back the brilliance of Vince at that point in in conversation. Anyways, we're getting off we're getting off the rails. We could talk about this for uh, it, with some of the things they had Jericho do when he came back that weren't necessarily Jericho's um, ideas per se, specifically the CM Punk storyline. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot that could be said about Vince in Jericho's previous runs in WWE over the past ten years. Absolutely. Uh, one thing also with that match, Raquel, if they're going after your knees constantly, that's part of the storyline, though, and you f- get through four women, remember to sell. Uh, you know, you're still good. Still like you a lot. I don't know why they changed your last name to Rodriguez. They just need, like, the RR, whatever. Viking Raiders came out, destroyed some fucking geeks. Kofi talked shit. He got a match with Eric and got his win back. Pretty much that's it. Thank you. These cats had the most 80s fucking jobber names of all time, too. It was like Tommy Gibson and Jim Mulkey. <laughs> Jim Mulkey. That's so great. <laughs> I appreciated that. I don't know what they're – hopefully those aren't their working names, and if so, I apologize. But like in WWE realm, if you're the tag team with Tommy Gibson and Jim Mulkey, you're definitely not going over, Omi. No. But I will say, I, I like this presentation. I mean, I'm glad, I guess, that Eric got it instead of Ivar. But, you know, it's Kofi Kingston. He's a legend and shit. So I'm, that's not that big of a deal. But the new packaging of the Viking Raiders, the face paint, the attitude, now that Triple H is also in charge, they remind me a lot of Demolition. And I hope that they do some good stuff with them. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I've liked. Viking Raiders. The biggest problem with them is they've only just been beating the shit out of the New Day. It's just a limited male tag division, really, more so than the presentation of the Viking Raiders. Yeah. All right. Um, Oh, yeah. So we're at the end. Wow. SmackDown was a pretty uh, clear clear, uh, show. Roman Reigns comes out. Tells everyone to acknowledge him. Like usual, takes about 10 minutes to get that anticipation, which I think is brilliant. And uh, talks about how, you know, they they have to do what they have to do. They go and they say they're going to beat people and then they go and do it. And then they come on other shows and they friggin' gloat about it. And, you know, he's doing his normal MO and then Drew McIntyre's music hits. We think, okay, we're going to get, obviously, this is the next pay-per-view. They're going to build up towards it. But no, this is actually a different dynamic because I didn't see this fucking coming. I don't think the audience did too, and I will say, I'm not 100% sure. He wasn't at first, but I think Triple H is using some uh, some, some crowd noise, you know, to, to thicken stuff out. But I didn't see as much of a reaction for, for Mr. Karrion Cross. When he attacked Drew McIntyre, we kind of already talked about it, you know, beforehand. Scarlett comes out, lets him know TikTok, gives him the hourglass, flips it over, 
and uh, just completely decimated, smacking Drew McIntyre's head against the fucking stairs. And, you know, Roman looks really confused and a little bit concerned. But that little bit still means something. Yeah, yeah, in the in the realm of Roman just murdering everyone, that probably means a lot, right? <laughs> He's like, who the fuck is this guy? Aren't you the guy that used to wear that humongous costume from Rogue Warrior? <laughs> no, all, all joking aside, I thought this was great. I think it's better than seeing McIntyre versus Roman. Um, I would probably have, have like, cross murder McIntyre backstage and take McIntyre all it, and then have it come back with a vision without the um, and part of the reason I think the crowd didn't necessarily react uh, live the way you would expect is their last image of Karrion Cross or Killer Cross was not Killer Cross and he had a very, very short time in NXT. He was there for like six months, became champion, and then was on the main roster. Like, yep. one of the quickest NXT pushes of anyone that I can think of. Like, was there anyone that came up faster than him? No, I don't think so. I think that he was pushed pretty fucking quick. Maybe Finn at the beginning? Samoa Joe? I don't know. Cross and Keith Lee, and they did dick all with both of them. Um, talk about people with their toy wrestlers. That was Vince brought up two people and had toy wrestlers for a second with both of those guys. They could have been awesome additions to the main roster. Speaking was- about toy wrestlers, did I tell you that Undertaker admitted recently, Chris, that he has a bunch of action figures of himself? <laughs> Is he trying to get on Matt Cardona's podcast? <laughs> you know, Matt Cardona like instantly messaged him when he found out. Yeah, he's like, oh. Taker! What's, what, what is he? He has that gimmick where he's like, What's up, Take? <laughs> or whatever. What? No, what's up, dude? <laughs> I, I could see that. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's get into. AEW Rampage. We'll give our predictions for the three matches tonight on whatever the hell they call it. Clash of the Championship Belts. Not really. Uh, and then we'll get out of here. But uh, first match, man. I was excited about this. I think it should have been the main event. But we had a championship match with Mance Warner, who just won the Bunkhouse uh, Battle Royal at the Ric Flair. You know, we just talked about that. Ric Flair Battle Royal thingy. Uh, and he's kind of in a little bit of a feud with John Moxley at GCW for that championship. So really cool to find out Mance is not a part of GCW officially. There's no contract. It's kind of floating. Same thing with MLW. So they had a package for him. And Chris, I mean, that probably says something if they give him enough time, not to cut a promo, but actually to, to do a full package introducing him. Uh, I'm assuming there might be a future for Mance Warner and AEW. God, I hope so. I actually love that they did a video package for a debuting star, um, even if it's just for one match, to give the audience that may have not watched any GCW or you know the last Ric Flair match 
a little idea of who Mance Warner is. I love uh, Moxley and him just meeting right up, throwing fisticuffs, and Moxley dumping him onto a chair. Uh, one thing I know that you're not a huge fan of is Moxley came out first in yeah. this scenario um, as champion, but it didn't matter because Moxley just straight <laughs> started whipping ass. But this was fun. Um I like that later on in the match, Mance Warner kind of did the same thing and dropped Moxley, suplex Moxley onto the open chair as well. Some fun spots in this match. Uh, Moxley's a crazy man. Yeah. And uh, I I really like Tony because he knows Mance. You know, he worked for MLW. Uh, That was actually talked about, like we said previously, uh, on the Ric Flair uh, last show pay-per-view. But he knows Mance, so he can put him over, and he was doing a great job putting over his moniker of the Southern Psychopath. You could tell JR was really into him pretty much right after the uh, the preview happened, the little uh, vignette. And uh, these guys are just beating the fuck out of each other. Um, I'm trying to think of like more of the spots besides both of them getting, you know, suplexing each other or back suplexing each other onto the uh, – the chairs and destroying them, but it's a lot of violence. And uh, one thing I wish that they didn't do, this is just a minor stuff from, uh, they were coincidentally talking about the fact that Mance Warner has boots on and how that really gives you an advantage. And then I think it was just coincidentally, maybe the producer decided to go right to his boot and Mance Warner has rubber on the bottom. So definitely doesn't look as, uh, as intimidating, but that's a minor thing. But John Moxley knows Mance. He's a part of the friendship of the group from CCW. Mance was one of the younger guys, but it was Mance, Moxley, Sammy Callahan, uh, you know, a lot of those motherfuckers, Eddie Kingston, and, um, uh, oh, man, what the hell? Can't Homicide. You know, a lot of those guys were all with each other. So I think that they just beat the shit out of each other. I love Mance. He gives not just Austin vibes. Terry Funk vibes, Dusty vibes. You know, uh, Tony was trying to put over some guys from the same area in Tennessee that he's from uh, with Buckhouse Brown. No, no, no. He said Dutch Mantel. And then William Regal's goes in, Buckhouse Brown, he was one of my favorite competitors. And weirdly, I, I didn't even know that guy existed until I watched a match from some random WCW pay-per-view in the early 90s, and he was tag-teaming with uh, Terry Funk. But, um... Yeah, dude, just good stuff, man. A lot of fun and the ending uh, with it looked like he was trying to distract a chair from the ref and took the other chair and he was going to hit, you know, Moxley in the head and Moxley punched it, which fucked up his hand. But Mance Warner was just bleeding everywhere. And it was it went from a pile driver on the Mance finally at the end after Mance was, you know, just going back and forth the whole entire time. And then getting the bulldog choke until he was knocked the fuck out. But this is a good showing for Mance Warner. This is something where you win even if you lose. Yeah, the the only thing that threw me off about this match is it this wasn't supposed to be a hardcore match, but it basically was a hardcore match. (laughs) And I love the way Moxley started it out. It kind of reminded me of the infight and goon, you know, where they're beating the shit out of each other. And and uh, it was a uh, I can't never think of it. Schreiber, he was he was uh, leave Schreiber. 
Yeah, he fucking looks at the ref and he goes, don't you fucking dare. <laughs> That's basically what Moxley did at the beginning of this match. I also like him going, like, when the ref, like, is obviously seeing Moxley throw him on the fucking chair. He was like, it's there, man. It was there. And kind of like, you know, shoulder shrugging. I mean, I think it was pretty great in general that they were just uh, doing that, right? Like, that they just went out. And maybe maybe that'll be the fun Moxley thing you can do is that it's basically ECW rules. Because there's no champion advantage for him at that point, right? No. Um, it's interesting. I mean, I guess, no, there was actually no technically. I mean, they tried the hardest to make it look like, oh, we're just bending the rules. But after a while, it's like, okay, yeah, but... Um, Yeah, maybe I I just misread this watching this this morning, but I just thought this was a straight hardcore match, and then I went back and looked, and I was like, no, this is just supposed to be a normal (laughs) ass match. (laughs) I guess throwing someone on top of a chair is at like a table that, you know, that technically can happen as long as, you know, you're not hitting him with the table, you're just putting him through it. So. Not to give Cornette any props on this, but like they did just fucking fight outside of the ring most of the time. I'm not even sure when the match actually started. <laughs> and then they got the fucking stairs involved. And there was a fucking DDT from Mance Warner that he got when Moxley tried to pile drive him on it. It was a fun brawl, but yeah, I mean, here's the thing. They could have just said that this was going to be uh, no rules and this all would have flown. And I don't think in this situation it would have been necessarily lazy booking. I just think that it would have been, you know, two guys that are brawling. Like, just call it no holds barred. It it doesn't sound as silly. Like, you have to have so much furniture and shit. Well, like like I said, there's an easy way to do this. Just have Moxley be like, every match you have with me, anything goes. I have no advantage. I'll ban the rest of the Blackpool Combat Club away from the ring, and you just have to beat me in whatever. Send send everybody, essentially. <laughs> that might not be a bad gimmick. It'd be kind of, I mean, be crazy, but not necessarily a bad gimmick. Um, there was one spot where he puts like a, it's almost like a Kimura, and he wraps his leg around um, Mance's head and just starts diving his elbows in for the elbow spot, which I haven't seen him do before. But if that's going to be like his new finisher or something leading up to that bulldog choke, it looked intense. Uh, like the fire at the circus. Was a uh, This was a fun match. I was just kind of confused on what the fuck was going on rules-wise. <laughs> rules no, it's completely understandable. Um, but yeah. Good stuff. Hope to see more of Old Mancer in the future. And we'll jump to the next match. I don't remember a lot of this, um, but we had uh, uh, Takeshka going against uh, Ryan Nemeth. I'm sure both guys were good, but, uh, you know, Takeshka was going to win. This is uh, another match to advance him, and he's going to lose to some of the bigger guys and take them to, you know, the end, though. But when it comes to some of the other guys that are up and coming, get some wins over them. I think it's a good uh, good way of doing things. Yeah, Ryan channeled his inner Dolph and was kind of doing the show-off type gimmick, and Takiska did not take kindly to it and beat him. It was fine. Yep. It was like six minutes. All right, I felt bad for Madison Rain in this next match. Uh, <laughs> it seems like we're building Madison Rain to be going against, uh, oh, our champ, um, why am I blinking on her name? Jay Cargo. Um, 
they showed it, but if you didn't watch YouTube, I'm glad that they showed it, but they had uh, Madison Rain. She came out on uh, Elevation, and she was sitting on commentary and talking about her new position with the women's division, and Jay Cargill told her to cut, you know, to cut shit and uh, set up this match with their uh, baddie, or their temporary baddie, Layla Gray. Oh, Jesus Christ. Madison Rain, I don't think she's like, super special but she definitely understands wrestling um she's a part of the same group that got trained but partially by brett um last i think i think it's like the last group of dungeon family members but like with uh what should we call it natalia um harry smith tyson kid all part of that group so she understands wrestling and she was trying so hard to help out this girl throughout this match giving her arm not having anything happen and it was pretty fucking sloppy, but I don't put it on Madison. Um, she was doing everything she could, but Madison ended up winning. Jake Cowergill came out to have a little stare off. I guess this is going to be a match for the TBS title in the future. That I don't see Madison Rain winning uh, because that's probably not why she's there to begin with. So it'll just be a good win for her. So also, if if anyone in the women's you know coaching division over at Impact. If you might be leaving, Madison Rain's best friend, Gail Kim, Kim's still over there. That would probably be a great add-on to uh, some coaches in the back along with Madison. So my biggest thing with this is they threw Madison Rain in there. She gets a win over Layla Gray, who's kind of part of the baddies, I guess, um, even though that's not been fully fleshed out. Where the hell does this leave? Athena, sorry, I almost called her Ember Moon, Ember Moon, um, and Chris Statlander, because I thought that was the buildup for the next actual title match. She's just there as fodder, I guess. Basically, just to get a big win. So they're going to set up a three-way match between them, right? Yep, I would, I would say so. Sick, can't wait. That's some WWS. WWE ass booking. That's some Vince booking right there. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it sometimes happens. It trickles down. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, man. Because Jade needs more wins. She's undefeated. <laughs> Just do the goddamn match at this point. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, the, uh, the ending, we had Tony Deese and Josh Woods. Going against Swerve in our glory. You know, Swerve, Lee. And I thought Josh Woods looked really good in this match. He looked intimidating. He's strong as fuck. I think it definitely came down to that spot at the end, though, where they set up two tables. Josh Woods is trying everything he can to suplex fucking Keith Lee through the tables. And I love that fucking Tony and JR finally agreed was like, well, does he not realize that Keith Lee is going to fall right on top of him and he's still going to go through a table himself? Because I was thinking that. But that happens. They're out of the match. Um, and, of course, Swerve was able to take advantage of Tony Nese, jump up, do the double stomp, and Swerve in our glory, get the win. So there you go. And then they celebrated going off air. It was a uh, fun tag match. I don't remember why this was a street fight, though. I have no idea. Wouldn't it have made sense for this to start off the show, normal tag match, and then have 
fucking Mance and Moxley for the championship in a I street the, fight? I think the Moxley being on first was to bump the rating. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but this was a, I mean, it was a fun match. I just, the only thing I remember about Tony Nese starting this feud was Kevin Gates. <laughs> like, <laughs> that happened a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. And, and maybe I did, maybe I'm just forgetting something. There is a lot of wrestling in our lives, but I don't remember how this became a street fight. No idea. They did probably set it up. We might have actually covered it last week of what the fuck was going on, but I have no idea. Maybe there was a vignette we missed. There was a awesome 450 splash onto just what I would only call a pile of bodies. <laughs> Body swerve. Um, what's his name? Uh, God dang it. Um, the lawyer. Um, he got, uh, he went Mad, through a table. Mad Mark. <laughs> All uh, right. Um, let me ask you these three matches. We'll go over this and we'll get the fuck out of here. Uh, this is for Battle of the Belts tonight. Three championship matches. Jay Lethal versus Wardlow. I'm going Wardlow. It's for the TNT Championship match. I don't see Jay winning this, but this could be a, a fun match and a good test for Wardlow. Uh, with the AEW Women's Championship match, Jimmy Hader's going against Thunder Rosa. Uh, Tony's out there for Rosa, and obviously Britt for Hader. Um, uh, I'm going to say Thunder Rosa wins but it would be interesting if hater wins and then for the ring of honor world championship uh Takeshka going against claudio Casanoli for the ring of honor world championship and no way claudio's gonna fucking lose but he's gonna have a good match with Takeshka. yeah so i got claudio winning and i think that'll be Easily the match of the night. Should be really, really good match. Um, I got Jamie Hayter winning just because I want to see that storyline. Probably ain't, ain't going to happen, but uh, with every, with the two being outside of ringside, maybe she hits a roll-up on Thunder Rosa, and that starts dissension between both teams that sets up separate feuds, which I think will be fun. It also takes a little pressure off Thunder. I think she's better at chasing the belt than actually having it. And uh, the, the first match was Jay Lethal versus... Um, Wardlow TNT Championship. I feel like uh, Satnam Singh is going to get involved, and Hobbs is going to come out and deal with them and, and issue a just a stern look at Wardlow. And I think that's going to be your big meat battle. They're going to give Hobbs a bunch of wins and lead up to that the pay, the next pay per view, and it's going to be Hobbs versus Wardlow. I don't see that Wardlow is going to lose his uh, undefeated streak in title in the same night on a non pay per view. I like it. I like the storytelling, too. We'll see what happens. But I think that that is the end of our episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate all of our past listeners, all of our new listeners. Keep on checking us out. I already went through the credentials at the beginning of the show. But, uh, Chris, say goodbye to all the lovely people and give all your plugs before we get out of here. Goodbye, all you lovely people. If you want to talk to me on Twitter, you can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton. On Facebook, Christopher.R.Patton, same as on Instagram. And uh, would love to hear your opinions on everything that's happened in the past week. And uh, 
the Battle of the Champions. And if you have any G1 thoughts, just uh, text us, let us know. Absolutely. And you can find me at Dane Alves on both Instagram and Facebook or Dane Alves 42. Have a conversation with me. We'll have some fun. Talk about stuff. Definitely. But enjoy all the professional wrestling out there. There's a, a shit ton of, of it. Uh, check out the new Dane rants I'm going to be doing with Abe. That will be coming out soon. And uh, yeah, you guys have a great time. Wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. You guys have a good one. And as always, peace the fuck out.